Welcome back to the A to Z podcast. We're your host. I'm Alec. And I'm Zach. And today is a very special podcast. We are celebrating six months of A to Z discussions. Zach, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it feels great, man. Uh, it's so cool. We've been on this journey for a whole half a year now. I'm glad something that kind of just started out on a whim evolved into an activity we look forward to each week. I've really enjoyed just kind of sitting down with you and talking to you about some great things these last six months. Mm-hmm. Zach and I are grateful for all our friends who support us, even those who might have just stumbled upon us just chatting around. Uh, we thank all of you, and it's been a lot of fun for the both of us. And to make this podcast even more special, we are joined by our good friend and huge supporter of our podcast, Jacob. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, it's great to have you on, Jake, as our first guest. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have an awesome discussion today. Most definitely. Thanks for having me on. I'm- been a longtime listener and just really excited to be here today and talk a little bit about the thing we're going to talk about. Heck yeah. That yeah, sounds good. And just so you all know, we brought Jacob here to talk about Morningstar uh, by Pierce Brown, his third book of the Red Rising series. And I know Jake is a huge fan of the series, so he'll bring a lot to the table in today's discussion. So how do we feel about that, boyos? Feel bloody damn prime, Goodman. Bloody prime, damn prime. prime. Yes. So I'm super pumped about this. Um, this is my first reading of the book, um, and I know y'all have had multiple readings already. Zach, this is right. your second? Yeah, it's my second, and just like with Golden Sun, this is my first using the audiobook. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely an experience, you know, just like the book prior. And just like I had mentioned with Golden Sun, I feel like, uh, what's the guy's name, the narrator? Tim Gerald Reynolds. Tim Gerald Reynolds, yeah. yeah. Gerald Reynolds. He gets better and better with every single book. I feel like this one especially, he just had complete command of the characters. Uh, I always love like his Ragnar Valaris and all of that, but I feel like just every single character he's just got spot on in this book. So mm-hmm. again, that stood out to me a lot. Yeah, agreed. Oh, totally agreed. Um, he like it's like watching a movie in my head when he when he talks, mm-hmm. right? And like even when he does like feminine voices, right? They still sound like like I don't know. He has like such like control of his voices and the pitches and like everything the way he like just enunciates things like. I don't know, it's pretty like impressive the way that he can uh, convey all these different character emotions. Mm-hmm. Like he's like the ultimate actor. He's playing every single role of the book by himself, and he's doing it spot yeah, on. And, and sometimes you yeah. can even tell like which character it is without having like, oh, Invictra said this, Darrow mm-hmm. said this. Exactly. You already know based on how he's acting, and I love that about the audiobook. Mm-hmm. I've never been like a huge fan of audiobooks. Um, you know, sometimes, typically when people think audiobooks, or in my experience, it's been kind of bland or a boring narrator going on. Yeah. Um, but this has just stood out to me. And I think I even told you, Zach, I was like, you got to listen to the audiobook. And you were like, I yeah. don't know about audiobooks. <laughs> but this was just an exception. Definitely. I was definitely one of those naysayers until you told me. And even after you told me, I was like, okay, maybe Jake just really has an attachment to it. I'll, I'll guess I'll go ahead and listen to it. And you were spot on about that. Uh, the audiobook is a whole other experience. So I think for like a second reading of both of these books, it's been great to have it as an audiobook. Mm-hmm. And Jake, you you've yeah. you've been a fan of the series since like high school, right? Yeah, yeah. I read it actually senior year of high school is when I got into it. Um, yeah. Rushed through the books real quick, and but since then I, I read all of them on paper. You know, the first times, um, mm-hmm. but I've listened to them back pretty countless. <laughs> I don't know. This may be. To be honest, I listened to the book one more time on the audio book here, 
And it may have been my fourth or fifth time listening through the book, <laughs> taking a wow. lot of road trips and listening through the books. And every time, I, I kid you not, you just pick up on something new or some subtlety that, you know, Pierce Brown put into the book. And it's just entertaining every time I come back to it. No, yeah, man. For sure. I hope that uh, that's why we have you today, too, especially with this reading. You know, I'm new. Zach's like slightly new and you're like a veteran. So um, <laughs> we hope that you're going to bring some some good some good info and probably correct us because, you know, you, uh, you're calling us out from the golden, <laughs> getting some stuff oh. on like uh, Golden Sun podcast. <laughs> oh, Golden Sun. Uh, y'all, y'all did a very good job with that, that one. The only critique I had, I was mentioning it to Zach, was um, there was a mention of Cavix whenever... Darrow asked uh, the Telemonuses a favor, essentially, and Zach was thinking that the Cavix was, you know, just kind of dumb, you know, and, you know, <laughs> it, nothing was really going on there. But really, Daxo had like slipped these jelly beans into Darrow's pocket and that had gotten Sophocles, you know, Cavix's uh, uh, fox, you know, to go like Darrow or go like Darrow. And that just mm-hmm. started a whole thing there and the approval and that that rolled on. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, I guess think moving parts within the relationships, even of the characters and a lot of subtleties that go on. And mm-hmm. These characters, you know, they're golds, they're, they're wicked smart, but you know, even within that, there's still tiers of like the wicked smart golds and they're not so smart and they all got their own personalities. And I think that is pretty cool to the series. Yeah. I agree. I mean, every single gold is basically genius level. And yeah, that was a little slip up on my part because I thought, I actually thought Cavix was behind all of that, and he was the one kind of tricking Darrow with the jelly beans with Sophocles. But after you reminded me of that, because we had called on the phone together, I was like, I do remember the scene where it was actually Daxo walking away, winking at Darrow, and he was the one that had put the jelly beans in his pocket. And like, it was almost like Cavix and Daxo had been working together. So it's cool, even like between goals, right? They're always thinking of something. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it was the Telemonises that said, like, the mother, you know, Daxo, or, uh, Kavik's wife was saying, you know, they, he lives in kind of his own fantasy land, but mm-hmm. you know, why not let him live there? You know, he's kind of a little goofy, but he's also, some of that's almost a part of his role, you know, as he's exactly. actually wicked smart and he uses that to his advantage. I think that even, uh, Virginia does talk about that and he kind of like lets down his guard in front of his enemies and then they take, they think they can take advantage of this guy, but he's actually, like you said, genius level and he uses that as a tool, which is awesome about his character. So it's like little things like that, that I think that you're going to be great for this podcast. Ah, appreciate it. Yeah. So let's jump right into like kind of the beginning stuff. Um, like right after the, the golden sun ends, like on a super, super cliffhanger, right? Where, uh, Daryl just gets betrayed by the jackal and people die. Everybody's freaking out. You don't know who's dead or who's not dead at this point. Right. You just know that Darrow just got beat up and he got taken with by the jackal. And at the beginning of this book, he's sitting around in the, the little lair or whatever. It's all dark, pitch black. He can't see anything. He's like, you know, he's been beaten, tortured for so long. And, um, you know, he's really like now at the, he, he was at the top and now he went straight back to the bottom, kind of like the beginning of the Red Rising book. You know, he's mm-hmm. now he's like in the biggest pain of his life, you know. Um, so let's kind of start there with um, how we talk about this. The Jackal. Yeah. New, new villain of the book, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, at this point, has established himself as almost one of the major villains, if not the major villain. And he kind of snuck up on Darrow in the second book. We, we talked about that. He was like kind of Darrow's friend. And Darrow thought, oh, maybe I can use the Jackal. I know that he is this devious person, but I feel like I can keep him at arm's length and kind of use his intelligence, use his reach to help me further my goals. 
But he was so wrong because at the end of the book, the jackal stabbed him in the back hard and all of his friends as well. And it's like in Golden Sun, we kind of see Darrow, he's like a falling star, right? Uh, Nero wants to get rid of him. He's got all these problems with uh, the Bolognas and all of that. And Darrow's kind of like about to get kicked out of his role. But in this book, not only is he beaten down, he is like a shell of a man. Mm. From the torture and the isolation by the jackal, this is Darrow at his worst. And I'm pretty sure that in one of the, probably like the first 40 pages, we see Darrow almost about to kill himself because he has gotten to that point. Yeah. He attempts to kill himself. They talk, mm-hmm. You know, the multiple mm-hmm. headbangs he's, you know, the, the box, you know, is what, what we find out he's in. But, you know, mm-hmm. they talk about the scars on his forehead, you know, and the blood, you know, opening up the scars. But at the very end, he goes to kill himself. You know, ultimately, he's like not to hurt, you know, as he's banging his head, but he's there to put an ending to the suffering that the jackal, you know, has really put him through. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really understand, like, I was trying to visualize the whole, like, scene um, where him being in the lair, whatever, and, like, the jackal is, like, talking where, like, like he's basically where the jackal eats breakfast is where Darrow is at. Yeah. Like, he's, like, yeah. being able, he's able to watch Darrow just being in the worst pain of his life while he just, like, you know, sips coffee and does whatever all day, right? Um, I don't know if the jackal can see him. I, I yeah, that's, 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 like that's, a long... That's what I was thinking. I was, like, I'm trying to, like visualize like how yeah, this was working I, in my head i don't remember i don't know how small it is how big it is or like where where if it was like a it's not like a mirror or anything it's like underneath no him? it's is it like it's like a long table like a long mm-hmm. i picture a long dining room table with like okay concrete pillar you know or like the base goes all the way to the ground now the table sits maybe three feet tall and inside and it's like hollow middle it's like a table. hollow yeah thing? exactly okay, there's yeah. a hollow spot in it it's down in the physical table in the mm-hmm, box, mm-hmm. you know, and as Daryl goes to kill himself, you know, he actually feels the box move and that box lifts up to table level. And that's when he looks around and sees that his prison, he hasn't, he's not sure where he's been. He's all he knows is he's been curled up in it's, a ball yeah, in this dark. little box. Exactly. Just to find out he's been the, the noises and the, you know, whatever he's been hearing has actually been people eating just inches away from him. Mm-hmm. And that's so horrific. Table. I mean, when we find that out, it's, it's beyond horrific. And to add on to that, Daryl was in the table for nine months. Yeah. Can you even yeah. fathom that? I can't even fathom that, the, the pain of just day in, day out. He said he had lost track of the days, obviously, because he, he was just in dark isolation. Uh-huh. He didn't know what time was. It wasn't even a figment to him, right? This was torture beyond belief. And it makes sense that he wanted to end it all at the time that he did. And I think it's because of the banging, the banging of his head that they do end up unveiling him at the start of the book. And then he mm-hmm. sees Cassius, he sees the Jackal, I think Aja's there as yeah. well, all eating over him. And he realizes the horror of his situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's just actually a lucky coincidence because really what's happening here is the Jackals had custody of the Reaper or, you know, Daryl mm-hmm. for this time. But that's why Aja and um, Cassius and all them, they're there to collect him, actually. And take mm, the yeah. prisoner. So his lease to transfer is up. Him to the sovereign. Yeah. So, well, so, he, lucky so he was about. Yeah, yeah. He was about to end his life, and then right as he was about to kind of do that, they were like, "Hey, you're. It's time for to take the prisoner to X Y Z place, right?" Um, but he basically got saved by the bell. Essentially, like he didn't. He didn't end his life because of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yeah. That's how. I, essentially, yeah. And then that's when Cassius is like, "What the." It's like, like, this is what happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we get to like, um, some more stuff that happens with the yellows, right? He's about to get like tested upon. 
right before um he gets saved by uh they're prepping him for transport yeah, yeah because he's been in the box for so long they're just checking yeah, him scrubbing out. him down and all of that oh and they he, stump his toe his toenail part like, yeah, yeah it's some, some pretty harsh stuff and he is just frail he's like his skin is basically like haggard falling off the mm-hmm. bones he is not they can barely even tell he's a gold at this point mm-hmm. so even like the act of scrubbing him down hosing him down is torture for darrow mm-hmm. well oh, they yeah. keep talking about it was... too they they already know he's a red too so they're all, they're talking about how he's you know just a another low low color or whatever mm-hmm. how analytical the yellows are they don't even care for him and then we get the next scene where you know we meet holiday and trig right because they come in and just like okay you know backtrack a little bit but like this book is like way more graphic than like the, the first two books right like if the first book is like i mean i would say it would be like a pg-13 movie the first book mm-hmm. um but like close to it like maybe like a hunger games kind of like movie, yeah. right that's how i'm kind of feeling it but like this book this is like hard r like definitely this book like with the, the amount of gore and the way that they like do stuff um because daryl's just sitting there and like somebody shoots one of the yellows right i think it might have been, might have been holiday or trigger i forgot who but like mm-hmm. they shoot they shoot the the yellow and it just talks about how there's like blood that like goes onto his face and all this other like super like detailed like gory imagery um and that's a whole trend that happens throughout the rest of this book where it's just like he pierce brown just writes in detail what's going on and like the horrific stuff that's happening in war um which i think is pretty interesting and it's way different than the first two books right he definitely steps it up and another thing too he steps up the language as well we might go into that mm. a little bit later but yeah definitely i would agree pg-13 to probably an r-rated movie in this mm. one this is definitely not a kid book but yeah going back to holiday uh and trig the two new characters that we meet right they're from earth right so mm-hmm. like this is the first time we get somebody well i don't know if it's the first time but it's the first time that like in terms of me reading for the first time and getting like the information like people from our home planet something that i can connect with that's not mars or some random moon out of somewhere right um and the way that the narrator does it he like speaks in like kind of like an american accent you know what i mean it's because everybody in the book so far has like this like high lingo like maybe like high like european kind of accent right and the first time holiday and trigger introduced they speak like in an american accent and I guess that's the way that he was thinking about Earth. Like, this is how Earth people talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even even the way they speak has more of like an Earth. Yeah. Because even when I read it, because I, I remember, because I read the first couple chapters without the audiobook before I got it from you, Zach. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it. I'm like, in my head, they just, they talk like how I would talk. Right. right. They're not talking like, they, they're just, they would, they're speaking like Holiday is talking like I would talk. In my head, I imagined Holiday talking like how I do. And so, um, that was just interesting that when I read the audiobook, that it was exactly the way I imagined it too. Oh yeah. And it's, it's very much distinct from the rest of the accents that we hear in the book, because like you said, it's a lot of high lingo. You got like Ragnar who is more Nordic. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I can't even really do the accent. He does it so well. And it's very unique. It's like, I'm holiday T Nakamura or something like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> more, more smooth, but also earth like. Yeah. They talk about their build too, being from earth. They're short and stockier, you know, because uh, they're used mm-hmm. to, Mm-hmm. Daryl's used to the Mars the gravity, gravity. I guess is a little bit more harsh on Earth than Mars. Skinnier, lankier, grays. I mean, isn't it the same how gravity is on our Earth right now? Yep. I mean, still Earth. <laughs> we shorten, I guess we're short. I mean, the, the, the goals are literally, what, seven, seven feet, feet tall? tall? You know? And the obsidians get to nine feet, apparently. So, uh, 
Yeah, we, right. Earth people are short. <laughs> Especially the Greys, because they haven't really gotten the enhancements the Obsidians or the Golds have. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we can keep moving on in the book. Uh, what else happens? So, yeah, they go to break Darrow out, and I think they give him this thing called, like, the Nakamura Special. And this is something that uh, Holiday and Trick have used to kind of, like, pup them up for Oh, battle. yeah, the, the, the serum It's thing. like a serum yeah. of adrenaline, basically. They inject in Darrow's heart bite. because... They call yeah. it the snake bite. Mm-hmm, or the Nakamura Special. But, yeah, they give it to Darrow, and he's, like, on his feet now because Darrow can barely walk in his state that he's in. Because uh, they, they save him right as he's being, like, cleaned by the yellows. And so they're like, okay, boss, we got to get you out. We were sent by Severo. Come on, let's go. And then by some happenstance, Darrow finds out that Victra is also being held here in this facility mm-hmm. by the Jackal. And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave unless we get Victra too. And they say, negative, sir. Like, you're in a really sorry state. We, we gave you this, this snake bite, but the way you feel right now doesn't really represent how strong that you think you are. You're really weak. You can't fight these goals in your state, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we, our mission is to get you out, and we're going to get you out. But Dara fights them. He says, I'm not going without Victra. So they end up very reluctantly going to save Victra from her cell. And who do they meet at the elevator? Because the elevator opens up, right? They go, they go like, they're about to leave and somebody comes up because they're like, they have, they have him hidden. They're like, oh, we're, we're traveling with some obsidian, right? Because they're mm-hmm. pretending like Dara is like a, you know, a smaller obsidian or whatever. And they have him like hooded or something, right? Mm-hmm. They run and into then a they bone meet somebody at the, in the elevator. Yeah, but it's somebody that we know, right? It's somebody that's related to somebody that we know. Yeah, it's actually uh, Vixis from the Institute. Oh, yeah. And he was one of the people that followed Titus during the Institute back whenever uh, they were in House Mars. Mm-hmm. So this is like an old person from Darrow's past. And Darrow doesn't really want to engage with him at first. I think maybe he does mention something about Victra, and mm-hmm. then Darrow just you know unveils himself, and then they kind of take Vixis hostage and mm-hmm. say, take us to Victra under threat. And then we see Victra, who's supposed to be, you know this glorious woman who's also in the state of being beaten, tortured and at the lowest point of her life. Right. And she's such a, like a kind of a snooty character the whole time, right. That you've known her, mm-hmm. but it's also, because this is also a good thing too, because as far as we know, she was dead. Yeah. I mean, they, they made it kind of, kind of vague at the end of golden sun. And so this is the first kind of like implication, like, okay, she's alive. Right. Cause she was stabbed. And yeah. We, we saw her last words were Darrow. I didn't know. Yeah. Right. To show her loyalty to Darrow, but we don't really know her state mm-hmm. until we find out this is where she is. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, she's, we, she's immobilized, right? She's like, she's like paralyzed or whatever. She yep. is being Antonia tortured shot by her the jackal. In the back. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Her spine, yeah. That's right. right. Antonia was the one that did that blow. But, uh, yeah, she's in a cell being tortured by the jackal in an opposite way that darrow was being tortured so with darrow it was like darkness and isolation but with victra it's like bright lights this really blaring noise in the background cold you know Mm -hmm. and honestly i don't know which one's worse because think about it you can't really have any moment to rest she's also been in this state for nine months just like darrow she has no moment to rest every single time she wants to like rest her eyes or go to sleep the, the bright lights are there the music's there the screeching sounds mm-hmm. it's it's driving her nuts just the same as the isolation did to darrow so whenever they first happen upon her she's almost like a feral beast and like you said we've seen victor as like this collected kind of haughty person you know very proud and then now she's basically like an animal mm-hmm. but yeah uh, after they find her there's a little bit of a struggle because you know, she sees people for the first time in a long time who aren't with the Jackal, but she doesn't know that. She doesn't trust Darrow. She doesn't trust Holiday. She doesn't trust Trig. Even though Darrow's like, look, 
I'm Darrow, I'm here to rescue you. Victra is like in such a terrible state that they have to tranquilize her in order to get her out of her cell. Mm -hmm. She won't listen to them. She wants to fight them tooth and nail. And she's also just as weak as Darrow, skin and bones. But they have to do what they got to do. So they trank her and they, they start dragging her out of the cell. And that's when they go to make their great escape. Yeah. And then they get in a whole heap of trouble with this whole escape plan that Darrow... Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's pretty cool, though. I mean, it's just showing kind of Darrow's character, you know, with his, like, she's my friend. And I don't know... And he's like, he doesn't even know if, if she is, like, on his side. Right? right. She has no idea. Or he has no idea. But he's just taking the, like, the leap of faith. He's like, you know, I'm about to get out of here. I'm not going to leave her behind. You know, she's, she was one of my friends. I can't do this to her. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of noble of him, I guess. Very noble. But... This this puts him in a bad spot because it also puts Darrow. Another thing that Darrow does is, you know, when he does something, you know, a little bit, you know, outlandish, he gets other people in trouble too. Right. And this kind of uh, is where we're talking about Trig and his his death or whatever, right? Um, Holiday's um brother, because Oz is there, and Oz is like, oh no, Darrow's leaving. Like we can't we can't get this, and then we mean- have the whole scene where. Aja comes out. We got these hard hitters here. We got Aja, we got Cassius, and we got the Jackal all yeah. in one place. And as soon as they break Victra out, the alarms are sounding. You know, Holiday's like, dang it, you know, we're kind of screwed here, Darrow. But they have to go along with it now because Darrow forced them on this mm-hmm. path. So we get this whole scene where they ended up getting out of the facility. They're like on the bank of a cliff, and uh, Cassius has them cornered. Mm-hmm. He's talking oh, to Darrow. He's don't like, forget Darrow, about the EMP, though. I'm about to bring that up because I remember mm-hmm. how cool that was. That um, scene was cool. Where they, uh, you know, they're using pulse weapons and all these things that like need like electricity and like all this like fancy tech to work, right? Mm-hmm. And then Trig and Holiday use just like you know, you know, gunpowder weapons, like old school, yeah, like, yeah, like what, just that. regular like you know pistols and stuff or whatever. And they're like shooting them with like old school guns, like stuff that we have now, like right. They, after that EMP, like all their technology is useless. Everything that made them like top of the line you know these fearsome killers is just nullified so holiday and trig just melt through these people with the old-fashioned guns yeah. and gunpowder <laughs> <laughs> i think it's funny the way that they say it and it's like you know that's that's how it is now but th- you know they have the advantage now using a mp the emp mm-hmm. but anyway after all that they do end up cornered and they're out on this cliffside and cassius is like surrender darrow like we'll treat you with honor blah 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 i'll give you a quick death all this the, the gist basically mm-hmm. Cassius is just kind of, you know, spitballing at Darrow. Darrow's like, okay, Cassius, I can't trust you. I obviously know that we're getting out of here. And since they're in such a tight spot, they have to go to plan C, one of Severo's plans. And okay, Darrow doesn't really know what's going to happen until suddenly claw drills appear coming out of the, of the earth and they grab Darrow and they get out. Mm-hmm. So despite terrible odds, again, Darrow makes a great escape and he has Victor as well. But unfortunately, through all of this, Trig does die. And I can't remember exactly who killed Trig. Someone shoots Trig. It's either no, Aja or stabs him. It could be Aja. She closed I think the it was gap Aja on him. That killed him. Aja was he was planning Claymore. Aja, the Fury. I thought it was Aja. Yeah, she she memory, killed. I, it was Aja. I think it is Aja. She killed Aja, him with yeah. her um, razor. She right, basically stabs put him. him. Mm-hmm. The razor right and through him. We didn't really know Trig for that cliff. long, but. Uh, Trig was very nice to Darrow and was like, Re- well, I'll do anything for you, right? He was mm-hmm. instantly on Darrow's side, whereas Holiday was more like a logic person, like, I don't want to save Victor with you, Darrow, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But Trig was, you know, a very nice character. So even though we've only known him for, like, in the book, a few pages in the audiobook, maybe an hour, 
He's dead, and it does make an impact on us. Um, I wish they like they would talk about him more, and they kind of explain it later in the book. You know, like no one talks about Darrow's nine months and whatever, and no one really talked like when they have a moment like way later in the book. Yeah, him and Alda. Yeah, they like no one talks about Trig, and no one talks about whatever that they wanted to have that conversation. But I think it's interesting. Like no one brings it up. Like it's weird how they just like all the poopy parts about their life. They just like put it in the back of their minds and like never bring them up like mm-hmm. the whole story i think it's also just yeah. so much and is going they, on it's with, war see it's too, full as the story goes on right with now. uh darrow and victra they there's like this thing behind their eyes sometimes people see mm-hmm. like a little bit of insanity that the jackal brought out of them in their isolation even as they make a recovery still a part of them is subconsciously living in that box living in that room with the bright lights and they mm-hmm. carry it with them even though they might not speak about it which honestly i think they can't it's like ptsd mm. uh they do still have that carrying with them so a very good detail that pierce brown does bring up a few times later in the book um yeah he meets his he ends up getting back and he sees all his friends again but now he's all like you know messed up <laughs> right but he has a reunion with severo finally and severo He's never gave up fully on him. reset mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get carved back up and it's it's interesting seeing though where where they left off you know uh in the second book the rising you know wasn't mm-hmm. this for sure thing but now daryl comes back and he sees the rising kind of in action a lot's gone yeah. on since he's been gone it's like all of his work from the last book you know it, it was still happening behind the scenes without him, right? And he was still kind of like the, the figurehead with it, right? Because I think he's dead. Like, a fake Darrow was... You find out later, a fake yeah. Darrow was killed. They had carved someone up to look just like Darrow and executed him on live television for the entire galaxy to see. Mm-hmm. So everyone thinks Darrow's dead. But Severo was the one person that never gave up. Mm-hmm. And they did try to look for Darrow, they said, for months. And they, they never found him. him. So they just was, gave up. Yeah. But Severo said, Darrow's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Zach and I talked, this er- talked about this earlier, but the first time... They meet or whatever. Severo's like, look, I got your eyes. Like he like oh, yeah. got Mickey or whatever to carve <laughs> yeah. his put his eyes in like mm-hmm. his red eyes into his head. I thought that was so funny. And Daryl's like, Severo, why are you so weird? <laughs> he just got he was That's like beat up for character. nine. Got, yeah, no, it's so exactly. funny. It's funny to think about like him being beat up for nine months, just got saved, just watched someone die, and then several comes up to him and is like, Look, I have your eyes. Like <laughs> And he's like, if you want him back, he's like, I can give yeah. him back. <laughs> he's like, sadly, like, I can give him back if you want, but you can tell that Severo really wants to keep Darrow's eyes. So Darrow's like, you know what, Severo, they look good on you. <laughs> uh, that's just super funny. I'm thinking like a skinny, beat up Darrow, and then he sees his best friend again, and he talks about his I don't know. That's just a funny scene in my head. But like Jacob said, that's just Severo's character. Yeah. He, you know, he'll be serious, not really very often, most of the time goofy, and this is just a goofy moment. Mm-hmm. But he like ups the ante this whole book, like with his like jokes and the way he talks. And, oh yeah, like, even um, more dirty than yeah. before. Plays into the whole like R rating thing yeah. that you were talking about. <laughs> um. So then we get the whole. Uh, is it before they get fixed up, recarved? Um. When he talks back, talks to Victra about joining him. It's after the fact, right? I think it's no, before because he, he goes to Victra and he's like, you know, you can join us. Or you can leave. It's up to you. But if you join us, we'll get you a new body and get you yeah. what you want. She's like, I want revenge. Yeah, she yeah, she's like revenge. It's like the whole thing about revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, she doesn't really. That's not the the end game here for her her arc. But yeah, she starts talking about revenge. Um, and they had that one scene where they're like, you know, working out, goofing oh, off yeah. in the <laughs> the weight room or whatever, right? Yeah. And then all all the other reds are just like staring at them, and they talk about how Ragnar comes in and he can just like 
out bench him or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think he uh, like hang cleans what they're trying to like dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they could barely do it too, and he does it with ease. And they, they, they put bets on like I don't know, it was like Nero puts like bets on Darrow versus Ragnar, yeah. like who can lift the most. And Ragnar just blows it yeah. out of the water. <laughs> it's it's like a funny scene. And then uh, everyone who's watching, like all the reds are like, yay, because Ragnar's yeah. like the hero, yeah. right? He's been a hero for the last nine months whenever Severo's been doing the rising. And so they kind of see their hero in action. He can even outlift the Reaper. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the kind Reaper of a funny scene. Mars. Um So then they get them with their first oh wait, wait. This is then they do the the scene where they do uh the howler, the howler scene that happens now, right? Yeah, there's so a shower, right? Yeah, they're like mm-hmm. taking a shower together, Victor and Darrow, and then um, they get like beat up and like sacked or whatever, right? And yeah, then- <laughs> yeah. To backtrack a bit, just to get like Darrow back on his feet, he like joins one of Severo's howler squads. Uh-huh. So he's like kind of working his way back up the ladder, uh, yeah, yeah. Because he's got to he's got to get back on his feet, right? Once Mickey carves him, him and Victor are working out all the time. He's getting better, like combat experience, trying to wipe away his PTSD. And then eventually, obviously, because they're Darrow and Victor, they climb through the ranks and then Severo is going to induct them into the Howlers, but they don't know how until they're basically abducted in the shower. And this is just like it starts off as just a conversation between, you know, Darrow and Victor after they're working out. And all of a sudden there's bags over their heads. Darrow's freaking out. He thinks that the Jackal's coming back to capture him and put him back in the box. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out it's just this hazing ritual, basically, yeah. by Severo. <laughs> Quite the hazing ritual. So I don't know up, if yeah. I'd want to do that. <laughs> No, it's not disgusting. Don't they like rip out their tooth or something? Like, no, this is where they like get them all super drunk and make them eat mm-hmm. like all these oh, cockroaches. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, pit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Piper. I remember yeah. it was like Victor like grabbed a handful and just like shoved it in her mouth or something. Really, it, it was no, it was Holiday. Holiday was like gung ho about it all. Oh, like yeah. the cockroaches, she was just like eating them by the handful. And with the pit viper, she just fearlessly like stuck her head in there, her hand in there to like pick it up. And Victor was, you know, it was hard for her. At, at the same time, like Jacob said, they're like drunk, drunk, mm-hmm. like blackout drunk. So this is like a crazy, crazy ritual. But everyone's like cheering Holiday on, especially Ragnar. She's like, he's like, you are a true howler, Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Darrow and Victor get through it, too, and they're inducted. That's so funny. <laughs> like This book is filled with like small, funny scenes like this. Mm-hmm. Like this happens kind of kind of frequently. Even though there's a lot of like bad stuff that happens too, but this is like kind of the funny stuff, the, right. the lighter side. I think that's a lot of what Pierce Brown kind of set out to do in this book. Because in the second book, it just was this huge scope. So much new stuff was thrown at you. I feel like in the third book, there's not really any huge new characters that are thrown at you. You kind of know everyone already, but mm-hmm. the deeper like stories kind of come out as they they tell more about their past or you know the interest you know interesting facts you know ragnar kind of showing some of his humor severo for sure you know stuff like that starts to really come out in the third book yeah i would agree with that um but he also gets to meet his his family again he realizes that his family's safe with severo right they Mm -hmm. they they collected his like whole family and some of the reds there too like like his niece or whatever he or he's an uncle right yeah yeah yeah. his brother his, his children yeah so his whole family's there and so he sees his mom for the first time for a long time and that's like a little heartwarming thing and dancer's alive mm-hmm. and it's then like, we find out uncle Nero, Nero's alive yeah and he's like a hero now mm-hmm. in the rising you know he's a real warrior this found out the shock that you know whenever daryl sees dancer he's like how the hell or how the you know hell did they figure this out mm-hmm. and they're like oh it was harmony it was she gave you a 
Oh yes, yeah, yeah. the answer does reveal that. Oh yeah, harmony. Because they they're trying to figure out how did the jackal figure out that Darrow was a red. Someone would have had to have told from the inner circle that was there for his carving because mm-hmm. very few people knew. And Dancer's like, yeah, it's Harmony. And we find out about her, and I can't remember if they're the Red Hand or the Red Legion at this point, Jake. Uh, the one that Harmony is leading. But they're kind of like broken off from the Sons of Ares, and Harmony's more of like a radicalist now. Mm-hmm. She died, though, right? Harmony, oh no. Harmony's alive and kicking. Okay, okay. No, I, I was, for me, it was really ambiguous. They don't bring her up, like, ever. They, in this whole book, they like mm-hmm. there was like this moment they brought her up and they just like don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, they talk about it a little bit because uh, Darrow's kind of bring, getting brought up to speed with what the Sunsberries have been up to, mm-hmm. and he's heard some pretty terrible things. And then Sero basically tells him, "Yeah, like all the intense bombings and the genocide of the High Colors, like the opposites happening on some planets, is because of Harmony and her more radical group." Mm. Now, do we call? Do we figure out the name of that faction? Right, I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah. I don't, that's what I was saying. I don't know if the, the Red Legion this time. Okay. Because, yeah, or was it the Red Hand? Yeah, that, that's more towards uh, later books. But right now, mm-hmm. they're the Red Legion. The Red Legion, I see. The Red Legion. Well, I guess then they go. The next thing that kind of gets them moving out of the caves and out of Tinos is, uh, you know, they kind of all come to a decision that. Some big moves got to be made, and mm-hmm. they decide to go after, you know, to strike Phobos, right? The Mars's mm-hmm. moon, their big mining yeah. facility. They got to capture Quicksilver. Quicksilver. That's Severo's goal, and Quicksilver is his name is Regulus Og's son. He's a silver, but he's also the richest man in the galaxy, and uh, he controls a lot of commerce, a lot of economics. And Phobos is known for you know the economy of the society, mm-hmm. basically, and. Uh, Severo has a mission there. He wants to go capture Quicksilver. And this is like the first mission that Darrow and Victor go on as Howlers. And Severo's in command this time. This mm-hmm. is a whole flip-flop. Usually yeah. in the last two books, we've seen Darrow as the leader of all the missions, the mm-hmm. one with the Howlers behind him. But this time, it's Severo calling the shots. Yeah. I think they that, go that, to destroy the helium flow. Don't they call it like Operation Black Market? And they're there to mess up the helium flow. Yeah, the helium-3, the society yeah, helium-3. Mm-hmm. A lot that's of, yeah, yeah, that's all mine on Phobos. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, um, like you said, Zach, because now it's Severo's, you know, Severo's the leader and yeah. Darrow's turn to follow. Exactly, um, which is a definite difference. But it's funny because, you know, we hear Darrow's inner monologue, right? And he's kind of like, he's like, okay with it. You know, he's letting his friend, you know, take the lead, but he's still kind of like apprehensive. Like he's still thinking like, okay, if I would be doing this, then I'd be doing this. Right. And this, this. He feels bad about it, but he can't help it because yeah. he still has that leader mindset. Mm-hmm. And he like, he led the Howlers multiple times and he's just kind of seeing how Severo does, still taking his orders, but sometimes he doesn't always agree with what Severo's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we go and find, they get to whatever, the Quicksilver's room or whatever, like, Quicksilver, where are you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they find a, find, find somebody we, we know. Yeah, Mateo. And yeah. this, that was remember, quite a surprise for me. Yeah. I yeah, was like, that was a surprise for me too. Because that, that's the guy who taught him all the high lingo and like, you know, Back them, right? in book right. one. Yeah, yep, book that one. was his tutor back whenever he was learning how to be a proper gold. Um, but then, you know, Severo's beating him up. <laughs> yeah, Severo just instantly goes to him and just smacks him in the face. And pink, so Mateo's a pink, and pinks are fragile. So when Severo goes and just punches him, it's like jaw shattering for Mateo. And Daryl's like, stop, you know. And this is like, Daryl already kind of had some doubts about Severo's leadership. But this he's is like, where he's yeah. like, oh, Severo. Like, yeah. It's I like, I know, know this one. man. Like, why are you beating him up? Yeah, you, uh, a bad move by Severo for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they almost kill him. They almost they sh- they shoot at him, right? At one point. I don't know if they do or not. They shatter his jaw. Yeah, they shatter his jaw. Mm. But was that just with a punch or they hit him with something? No, it was nah, just Severus. Severus punching him. Oh, okay. But then um, they anyway. decide there is like an order for, they, they look at his data pad and see that there's like a conference room, like some late night order. And they're like, oh, that's got to be where Quicksilver is. Oh, and yeah. They venture down the hall. Right. And Daryl's like, this is probably a bad idea. You know, we, we should stop and assess. But Severus like, you know, so gung ho. And he, yeah, he's like, we got to do, do it. it. And exactly. they do, and they meet all the big big hitters again, right? They yeah, happen yeah, upon, break into the uh, conference room looking for Quicksilver, yeah. only to find like four Cassius. Olympic knights. Yeah, four Olympic knights, Mustang, the Telemonises, the whole squad. All and this is like this is like some Aki kind of stuff too, you know? Because we haven't seen Mustang in a while. I'm not reading this and like, oh, there's Mustang. Like, ooh, what's going on? I you mean, know, Darrow Mustang dipped out. Hasn't seen Mustang in, since the beginning of the Triumph whenever yeah. she dipped out. Or she wasn't even there. He hasn't seen Mustang since he told Mustang that he was a red. red yeah. So he's not even sure if Mustang's on his side. Exactly. At this point. Her and, or the telemonists. And he, obviously, he still has feelings, though. So he's like seeing her and it's bringing all this like stuff back. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure we all can relate. You know, you see that girl, you're like, uh, uh. it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, but he's Severus probably like, thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Severus doesn't even think. Severus does not give. Him. This is when Severus really crosses the line because as soon as Darrow sees like the Telemonuses, Cassius, Quicksilver, and Mustang, he's like, "Stop! Like we need to stop. We cannot shoot them. We cannot engage." Mm-hmm. And Severus cuts his comms. Mm-hmm. Severus is at the point where he's like, "I'm not going to let Darrow overrule me. This is my mission." Mm-hmm. He cuts Darrow's comms so no one can hear him. They can only hear Severus. And Severus mm-hmm. says, "Charge at them!" And they they just go gung ho aggressive. Um, but they have their faces all covered, right? They like, do. So they, they don't know who they are. Yeah, even Mateo didn't know who Darrow was until like nope. way after the fact, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it was after Quicksilver was like, you know, that's my husband, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, better not hurt him or whatever. I'm pretty sure that Mustang and them probably think that Darrow and Severo and their gang are the Jackal's men who yeah. stumbled upon yeah, the Yeah, they thought they meeting. were the Bone Rider. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, they had just stumbled across the, the treaty that or they mm-hmm. were trying to broker. Mm-hmm, because at this point, Cassius and the Olympic Knights are supposed to technically be on the Jackal's side. So this is kind of an underhand deal between Mustang and her faction and Cassius and the Society's faction. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like right before all the crazy stuff happens where they like get sucked into space, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of fighting breaks out. I'm pretty sure that the two Olympic Knights there... Well, no. Someone... The one Olympic Knight dies. Cassius manages to escape. And someone else dies as well. Moira. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moira oh, yeah, Algrimis. one of the, yeah. the Furies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She dies as well. And uh, Darrow actually starts fighting Mustang because he doesn't want to. He's trying to get her to stop, mm-hmm. but obviously she doesn't recognize him. He has his helmet on. He's getting beat. And she <laughs> is like, <laughs> she is going to win this fight. Darrow's like, oh my God, is Mustang of, is going to kill me. He pulls like, the, he pulls like uh, uh, I'm Darrow. <laughs> like, don't hurt me. Well, actually what happens is But his she, comms are shut off from Severo, remember? So yeah, he can't yeah. even say anything. Yeah, so she hits him on the head and his helmet cracks. cracks, And then she's like, Darrow? And then that's when kind of things kind of freeze, right? Mm -hmm. People, Severo's still fighting in the background. But Mustang freezes and she's like, Darrow, uh, the Pax is still here. I have, uh, what's her name, Orion. She's still Mm -hmm. alive. And then Darrow's like, what does that mean? And then she's got to go escape now. Yeah, she's like, that's all I got. Got to go. Yeah, she sees her opening because like, you know, this is Darrow. Something's wrong here. She's like, I got to go. Uh, but they do take Kavax hostage, mm-hmm. I believe. And Darrow, you know, he's got he's to pull something out of his butt now. They got to find another way to escape. So he, he hatches this crazy plan. He kind of takes control over Severo once the fighting is over. And the Howlers are wounded. You know, this is a pretty mm-hmm. sorry situation. And Darrow takes control. And 
he calls Holiday in with the ship, or someone, someone's on the ship, I think it is Holiday, and he says, look, come meet us outside of where we are, uh, you know, be ready to pick us up. And he blows the windows open and they all fly out into space. And I he, thought it was he like knows, right before they blew the windows out, though, that like they're like this thing starts coming in and they're like, what is that? And it's like a robot. Like robots just don't exist in their world. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember and that. Like, and because they like increase one. the gravity and then Ragnar like barely gets his like pulse fist up, you know, and he's like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. struggling as like an obsidian. It's just a monster. And then he shoots the window out. But I thought it was interesting in their world. You know, we think robots all the time. But, you know, the golds look down on it. You know, robots aren't around. Why, yeah. why have robots when you can have red? Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the robots were illegal. And so Quicksilver had this, you know, in secret. This was like his last line of defense. Mm-hmm. And this thing does come in and they can, they can barely fight it. So, yeah, Darrow goes to his emergency exit. And he knows that they can survive a little bit out in space because of what he's learned in the academy. And he, I think he says, don't hold your breath or something like expel the air. Otherwise, you'll explode in the vacuum of space. And so they all do as he says. They all pass out, and then they wake up back on the ship. Even though if you're really in space, you you boil up and yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. red rising. Yeah, <laughs> they're gold, gold. Gold bodies. Golds are built different. Exactly. Isn't holiday? No, she's not there. I no, think no, she's she sa- flying she sa- the ship. She saves. Yeah, she saves them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all. They're all. You know. They're all beefed up. I guess <laughs> they they can survive a flight through I don't space. Know the science <laughs> behind that. I don't really know either. But doesn't hey. matter. But I, I like the whole scene because it's like right before the chapter ends, and he's like, gets all blurry, and he just like wakes up in the you know all safe and sound. Mm-hmm. And they have Quicksilver at this yeah, point. They're like throwing up. <laughs> so now now they have Kavax and they have Quicksilver. Quicksilver. And then Quicksilver starts to be like, or gives them all the information about he's part of the Rising, and he was friends with Fitchner. Mm-hmm. You know all this kind of like plot, not plot twisty kind of stuff. He's being in the book, but like all this new information, like. Do we trust this guy who seemed like a bad person? But then he has all this legitimate information about Darrow that only mm-hmm. he, he would know if he was like behind oh, yeah. the scenes. I mean, he says that he paid for Darrow's carving. Yeah. I mean, this like, guy—that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. He basically—he not just basically—he did found the sons of Ares with Fitchner, mm-hmm. and Severo can't deny that there's so much proof that this is true, yeah. even though Severo still does not trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is like right before they have their little tussle, right? Exactly. And then, because yep. Darrow yep. finds out that Severo wants to actually blow up Phobos, the mm-hmm. moon. He wants to blow it up and kill millions and millions of people, but he wants to do it because this is the economic center of the society. Yeah. And if Phobos is gone, the society will fall into ruin because that's all their helium-3. Yeah. Right? And, and Quicksilver and, lets him know, like, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. And Darrow's, <laughs> of course, like, no, no. Like, we can't do this. Yeah. We can't kill millions of even low colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Severo runs out of the room with the detonator switch in his hand, and Darrow's got to go chase him down. And this is where they actually like start exchanging blows, uh, because you know the the thing has been the conflict between them is not really a conflict until you know first Severo punched Mateo, then Severo cut his comms, and now Darrow's angry, mm-hmm. and him and Severo have to like fight it out, you know. And after they do, Severo kind of breaks down. Yeah, he starts crying. He starts crying. He looks at Darrow, it's and he's like, like the weight of you know running. Her, exactly the weight of, of the sons he mm-hmm. he always felt like he wasn't good enough to lead the sons mm-hmm. he was just he knew he had to because it was his legacy his mm-hmm. father was aries and he kind of just lets it all out to darrow he's like i'm sorry you know i know that i've kind of done a bad job of this it's the weight is just too much for me i need you to lead again mm-hmm. and then darrow says i'll do that for you and then their friendship comes back even stronger than yeah. before and you know he's just like you can't tell anybody i cried <laughs> yeah and it's it's like a cool parallel because whenever uh in in golden sun darrow 
does confess to Severo that he's a red or, you know, he says that, you know, the sun's probably sent you. Yeah. And then uh, Severo, re- you know, re- reveals that he did know that Darrow was a red. Mm-hmm. Darrow cries to him and he's like, oh, finally, I have a friend. So this is a parallel. Severo kind of crying and opening up to Darrow in yeah. this book. Yeah, totally. Good bro moments. Bromance between Darrow and Severo. They are the perfect example of friendship. <laughs> Indeed. It's how you make up best friends. Yeah, man. It's how you make best friends. You just have to, you know, have a whole war behind you. I think, doesn't he say, like, I think I'll enjoy war in the end? Like, kind of there. He enjoys war at the end? No, he says something. I don't know if it's in the second book or the third book, but it, they're talking about going to war. He's like, I think I'll, like, enjoy, I'll enjoy, enjoy war in the end. You know, just not. I don't know mm-hmm. if that was that point or not, but yeah. never mind. Move on from that point. <laughs> All right. Well, now we have Quicksilver. We have uh, Darrow's basically in the lead now, right? He's basically in charge of everything, and Severo's totally cool with it. And he like, you know, makes it happen. Mm-hmm. Um. So now we get to the point where more of the Ragnar kind of stuff going on, right? Yeah, so this this kind of transitions a little bit. Uh, when in Severo's desperation, he had like released Darrow's carving out to the whole galaxy. Oh yeah, and it started kind of this more violent rising. And so Darrow goes on uh, and he makes like this big speech to the low colors of Phobos. And he's like, "The Reaper is back. I'm here. Y'all can rebel. You know, take over the moon, take back what's yours." And so this full on rebellion happens on Phobos instead of blowing the planet, the moon up they end up having the low colors take it over. And since they're in charge of like all the resources there already, like they're the ones working everything. They're the ones like mining the helium three, running the facilities. It's pretty easy for them to take over it all and kind of throw the balance into the, the low colors favor it's in the like favor of the, the sun's berries, but on a moon, whenever exactly. you took over yeah, the yeah. pack. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're and right. That, that's a great, that's a great point, Jake. It's like whenever he took over the packs in golden sun, where he makes that rousing speech, to the low colors, like take this ship, you know, mm-hmm. we, I would usually vent you out into space, but I'm going to let you take back this ship. Mm-hmm. He could have blown Phobos up, but instead he's letting the low colors take over the, the moon, mm-hmm. which is the right thing to do in his eyes. And it, it works out splendidly well. Mm-hmm. And uh, a fight ensues. And I'm pretty sure the society forces realize they kind of have to retreat. Like this is, this is something they, they can't really win. And in the midst of all the retreating vessels, Darrow has a new plan. He's going to go with Ragnar to the Ice Spires in Mars and recruit the Obsidian to his cause. Mm-hmm. So he kind of finds a way to escape in all the chaos. But lo and behold, someone is in the ship to stop yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Yeah, we got our girl back. <laughs> Mustang. Mustang shows up and just like, I'm coming. <laughs> She's like, I'm coming with you, Darrow. And, you know, Darrow, he, he, he definitely still has big mm-hmm. feelings for Mustang. But like we mentioned before, he doesn't know if he can trust her. Mm-hmm. Talk about and confusing feelings, though. I know. Yeah, very confusing <laughs> feelings. feelings. It's complicated. It's very very complicated, complicated between them. <laughs> uh, but Ragnar kind of, he was the one, because they had Kavix held hostage, and he lets Kavix out, and Kavix makes contact with Mustang. So mm-hmm. Ragnar is kind of like in the background, like pushing Darrow, like, hey, you should trust it's her. Good. Like, it's she okay. didn't kill you back in the cave in Golden Sun, so I think that we should give her a chance here. Mm-hmm. So Darrow's like, okay, well, you know, in addition to the feelings I have for you, you do bring a great intellect. Uh, you bring a lot of forces. You bring the Telemonuses to my side. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bring you as well to go recruit the Obsidians. Um, wasn't Daryl feeling kind of weird about Ragnar? Because Ragnar was actually starting to do stuff of his, of his own, right? Yes. And he wasn't mm-hmm. telling several, or he wasn't telling Daryl all of the information. And he felt kind of like betrayed by that. But it was also because Ragnar was actually doing the right things. 
yeah, uh, he, he felt like Ragnar was a little bit overstepping when he let Kavix mm-hmm. out. But he isn't, I guess maybe part of him doesn't realize that Ragnar has grown a lot, a lot of independence he has now in the last year that Dara has been gone. Mm-hmm. Because in Golden Sun, he was kind of, you know, following Dara around, doing what he says. And Darrow did, you know, let him have a razor. He let him start thinking on his yeah. own. And now we see Ragnar with true growth. He's a leader now. Yeah. And Ragnar, sometimes he thinks he knows what's best and will act on it. Mm-hmm. This was a situation where he, he wanted Darrow to make this alliance with the Telemonuses and Mustangs. So he pushed for it and he let it happen. And Darrow does kind of think, maybe you overstepped in this way, but it ends up working out. Yeah. I agree with that, Zach. It's just Darrow's used to having a lot of the control as the leader. Mm-hmm. And now he's seeing, you know, Ragnar, you know, kind of have his own opinions and push for things. And whether or not Darrow wanted this or not, Ragnar saw the rising needed it. You know, the rising exactly. can't win on its own. They need allies, in which case comes in form of Mustang and her remaining forces. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Don't need to take a backseat a little bit in this, like the begin, at least the beginning of this book. He's kind of like, I mean, he's gone for nine months. So like it, all his friends are like more than capable of doing things. Right. Um, and this is just kind of like the first like realization Daryl gets that, okay, I'm, it was like the second one because it was his Severo that now is Ragnar right. also doing things. Um, like I've been gone for nine months and now look, I, I just need to realize that things happened, right? Um, well, yeah, they go to what the South Pole of Mars, right? Yep. And but uh, they actually they leave Severo behind for his little surprise. Right, right. Was, oh, yeah. I thought that's pretty neat. Like Pierce Brown's pretty good at, you know, war tactics or, you know, kind of surprising me with things, shifting the paradigm. While they're mm-hmm. going to Mars, or you know, to to do their mission, Severo's hiding in the ventilation dome, you know. And as the the ships are coming from the Jackal's forces to come get Darrow, because they think Darrow's there, you know, they're mm-hmm. leaving the ships <laughs> basically open or uh, you know unoccupied. So they're just then storming those ships. Which I yeah, I forgot about tactic. that. And there you go. Darrow is basically killing two birds with one stone. And you're right. I mean, the tactics in this book, genius, genius yeah. level. And I think Pierce Brown did do his research uh, on a lot of his Instagram posts. I see that he's like reading, you know, old Roman war books, stuff like that, to try to gain more knowledge on war strategies. So we see a lot of his research coming into fruition with some of the plans that happened in Golden in uh, Morningstar and in Golden Sun, the past book. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, so they're they're going to find Ragnar's mom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this first time we kind of hear about her, right? Um, she, I don't know if she was mentioned at all. The other two No, guys. no. The queen of the obsidian, Alias Nosparrow. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we know, we like learn about the obsidians kind of like, you culture. know, culture. Yeah. Right. All this other, like, we've heard mention of it. it, but yeah, the hierarchy, we're really like being exposed to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this whole civilization that's like, you know, paralleling kind of like Viking lore, you know, like, you know, like the Valkyries and Valhalla and all this stuff. Right. Like, the Norse gods, and then they have griffins, and they ride yeah. great griffins. It's like exactly what you think of like Norse mythology, and it's like that. And it's crazy because uh, in gold society, since they have carvers, they can literally create griffins. You know, mm. they can create these mythological beasts, and then the golds themselves take the place of the gods. So this is how they kind of got the obsidians into subservience. They built this whole mythology with the golds at the top, and the golds basically ingrained in them that the highest honor they can have is to serve their gods. So. Mm interesting they like wiped out you know kind of here they tell you that the only 
race, I guess, to threaten the golds were the obsidian at the one point. So they just wiped out like three generations worth and then built this world for them. And that's all the obsidian mm. basically know and the servitude that comes with it, fulfilling exactly. their purpose. So it's a tall order that Darrow knows he's going to have to do to convince the obsidian to join his side yeah. because they would have to rebel against their gods. Their golds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but then we uh, we get to the point where we get some more spicy information. You know, Aja and Cassius are there, right? Yeah. They get attacked by them. They were pursuing mm-hmm. uh, Darrow because I, I believe Cassius or Aja saw through his plan and they, they see that Darrow is taking, you know, a different course, right? And they pursue them. But they end up both crash landing on the poles. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to come up with a plan to, like, kind of get around them. Uh, but somebody decides to... You know, let's let's take them out. Let's try, Darrow decides to do that, right? Yeah. Daryl's like, yeah. we need to take them out now. If we like, right now is a good time. To right. try. It's the best odds they got, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because you know they have Ragnar, they have Darrow at full strength now. They have Mustang, and it's Cassius and Aja, and they know. I mean, Aja Algrimus, and it's it's not really ambiguous at this mm-hmm. point. Is the greatest warrior in the entire galaxy, mm-hmm. like. But Daryl also knows if they take Aja out, no one can really stand in their way. Mm-hmm. The only one that can kind of match Darrow is Cassius. And Darrow, at this point, has beaten Cassius in Golden Sun. They talk about so, knocking out the blow it would do to society to knock out two Furies in one week. You know, with Myra. Or with Mora, yeah. Mora. And now Aja. Aja. Because those are the sworn protectors of the Sovereign herself. So it's a, it's a very juicy opportunity that Darrow sees to go and engage on Asha. Yeah. I was surprised how the scene went down though. How you know, it's pretty bad uh pretty cool that Ragnar's been wielding these like double almost like double lightsaber. You know, I think the double lightsabers but you know, really it's the double razors, but mm-hmm. I was interested mm-hmm. to, to see that Darrow asked Ragnar like can you take her instead of Darrow himself like wanting to take Asha. What do you guys right. think about that? Yeah, that was interesting. It's almost as if Darrow's acknowledging, like, Ragnar, you are the warrior here. Like, yeah. if, we, if we wanted to choose our number one starter on the varsity, it would be you, Ragnar. So whenever I want to see if I can fight Aja, I got to ask you, can you take her out? And Ragnar says, yes. Hmm. Uh, I know. I, I, I didn't really understand, like, you know, his thought process. Because, I mean, he was also, like, in battle, too, right? So, like... He was he was fighting what Cassius at the time too, mm-hmm. and he, Ragnar goes and fights Aja. But like, doesn't Ragnar tell Darrow that he's like you can't take Aja? Or I remember something like that happens. I can't exactly remember. Do you remember Jake how exactly the fight went down? No, Ragnar talks about his mother later on about something not being able to die. We'll, we'll get to that second, but yeah, yeah. the we're fight goes there. down. They kill one of the other golds there. So really it's just yes. Aja and, and Cassius. And Cassius. Yes. Um, Against Mustang, Darrow, and Ragnar. Holiday mm-hmm. shooting Holiday well. from a sniping location and almost takes out. Somehow they're like, they almost get Aja right there. Somehow yeah. she like senses the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sniper round coming. And she has like spidey it. senses. Yeah. It's just like ridiculous, like ultimate warrior senses. And uh, then, right. But Cassius is about to get, get Darrow's butt, right? Yeah, well, he splits them off from Aja and Ragnar, so really it's just a one-on-one, just Mm -hmm. classic duel. And while he's he's trying to get to help Ragnar, he really can't. And Aja is just starting to kind of peel him away. A bunch of blood. He sees Mm -hmm. starts to see blood on the snow, and none of it's Aja's, is what they say. And he's like, not going good. It's Mm -hmm. it's like one of those scenes where if it was a movie, it would start to play like in slow motion because Darrow's watching. 
And Aja learned from Lorne as well. So Darrow knows her technique. Yeah. And he sees Ragnar kind of getting baited into these moves. This is why it's also slightly confusing that it's Ragnar against Aja. Because Ragnar doesn't know. know the technique. He would, yeah, he wouldn't know. No, he wasn't taught well, the will away. He wasn't know? taught the will away. And Darrow's watching her use the will away to its highest capacity. Just to bait Ragnar in. Make those little cuts. And he sees Ragnar slowing. And then he's like, oh no, Ragnar. He sees Ragnar's fallen into the trap. I think and somehow, before, before, right before this too, not only has he fallen, in, she, he, they fallen into the trap, but freaking Aja caught a razor out of midair that he chunked at her. I think I remember that too. Yeah. Somehow, I mean, so she's just like killing it. Superhuman. She she's knows, superhuman. She knows the razor. <laughs> she does. But then you're right. She starts opening him up and he starts to see what's about to come forth. You know? And before it happens, he knows it's already going to happen. And then it happens and Ragnar dies. And this is a big moment for Darrow, big moment for the reader. Because we've grown pretty attached to Ragnar. Uh, he was a great character, and for the Rising, he was a great leader at this point. All the low colors looked up to him. He was a hero. And, of course, it's Aja that takes him out, which is very rightfully so. Because, like I said, Aja is the greatest warrior in all of the society. Mm -hmm. And she takes out the greatest warrior in all of the Rising. Yep. So Lauren said, I thought I thought it was an interesting quote there. Uh, Daryl's talking about Lauren. He's like, two things in life. He's like, never fight. Uh, a flowing river and never fight like Aja Al Grimace. Right. Okay, that's what go. I was remembering. That, I was that like, right I, there was that's, pretty that's what I was remembering. I was like, somebody told Darrow that like, he there shouldn't fight Aja. And um, yeah, it was Lorne. But, but yeah. he remembers that like right as Ragnar, unfortunately, is just yeah. getting his final like, cut. You know, she's slaying um, him. Yeah, but then we also get, you know, Mustang comes out with an arrow and shoots a. Cassius, Cassius in the, in the neck. <laughs> Cassius in the throat. Well, that happens after, at, before that, though, right? Somewhere in between the battle, yeah. yeah. Cassius that's, 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 I was trying to be that up. Because um, Cassius was winning that fight mm, against Darrow. He, he was doing well. He doesn't um, think she'll this, pull the trigger, you know, or yeah. shoot him with the bow. Because Cassius is like, oh, she, she still has feelings for me, or whatever, and like, I don't know. But she's merciless. Yeah, she, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Cassius' head, but yeah, psych, boom. <laughs> Almost kills him. Shits <laughs> his throat. He's over there. Oh, it's like graphic the way that he talks to like gurgling. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. But he, we don't have to mention all of yeah. that. But it, it's pretty bad. And uh, after that happens, and after Aja kills Ragnar, she sees this as like her time to get away. And uh, but now Cassius is left there. She just leaves Cassius. Mm -hmm. And this is when uh, the Obsidians start to come in too. Because they're yeah. griffins and stuff mm -hmm. flying in. They, they see all the fighting and they see the blood. And then so. This is where we are introduced to Sefi, who mm -hmm. is Ragnar's sister, another character that we haven't met up until this point. And she comes in, and she's called Sefi the Quiet because she took an oath of silence ever since Ragnar was taken back whenever mm -hmm. they were kids. And she sees Ragnar, and her big reunion with him is on his deathbed. And he tells her, like, you know, all these things about how he remembers her, uh, how he died a good death, and to trust Darrow that Darrow's one of his brothers Do and he dies. Well, she tries to very set scene. She tries to put a weapon in his hand, you know, at the end. So he dies a warrior, a warrior, a warrior right? but he doesn't and want that. No, he he like takes Darrow. She takes how's how's that happen? He takes her hand or something. He take, pulls the it was, snow, but basically he refuses the weapon, saying, you know, right. that's not what life's all about now, kind of, which is a big now. turning point for mm, the obsidian. He's a new man now. He wants to die with his friends. Yep. Well, and then. Oh, that's what he asked Darrow to, you know, kind of end his suffering rather than Sefi. That's right. Yeah. Darrow ends up doing the final blow as an act of honor to yeah. honor his friend. And mm -hmm. that's the that's the most meaningful thing in the world to Ragnar at that point. 
because Darrow was literally the one that freed him from slavery and showed him that he is a man, not just a tool. Mm-hmm. And Sefi recognizes just the relationship because Ragnar's already sent basically scouts ahead to tell of the Reaper. Right. But, you know, whether or not that message has been heard, Sefi hears the message here, you know, in this. Yeah. Yep. She witnesses it and it's proof to her that if anything, Darrow and Ragnar were truly very close. And also at this point, Sefi is a uh, mute and she has been mute. Mm-hmm. She's Sefi the quiet. She hasn't spoken. Yep. Spoken. Um, which is pretty interesting for later, right? But now we have to go meet um, Ragnar's oh, mom. Yeah. Alia Snow Sparrow. Sparrow. And now they got to explain, okay, well, here's your dead son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their whole plan was they were going to have Ragnar and Darrow kind of realizes, you know, from what Ragnar has been saying before he died, that Ragnar didn't come here to convince his mother yeah. to join them. Ragnar came here to kill, kill his, his mother mom. and usurp, basically, yeah. and say, this, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> so Darrow's like, uh-oh, Ragnar is dead. That's a bad sign. Also, I might have to be the one to kill Alia. Yeah. But, you know, being Darrow, Darrow goes in there speaking with her when they finally confront her he has to like use his wits and see if he can you know communicate words to this woman right right um he tries doesn't really end up working yeah he tries to only to find out you know she's known the whole time that yeah they're actually quiet you know that they're they are slaves but she's like okay with this because like it it keeps her people safe yeah to some extent to her it's like a necessary evil i guess uh but anyway, they go on like this whole, they're, first they're imprisoned, and Cassius is still alive, and they kind of nurse him a little bit to keep him alive, mm-hmm. but you know, he's suffering, <laughs> still bleeding out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they, they find a way to go and see the gods. I think that Darrow convinces Sefi, like, Yeah, come with us, let me show you. Yeah, let me, let me show you what I know to be true. And since Sefi did see uh, Darrow and Ragnar together and saw what Ragnar had become outside of, you know, the Obsidian Way, she's like, okay, you know. I'll buy into this. I'll let you show me. So they go to see the gods and they start like, you know, talking to them. And there's like this whole showmanship thing involved, right? Where like they have like voice amplifiers, they have like this hall or whatever. They speak to them in like, ah, so you are here to see the gods and blah, blah, blah. And then this is where they go and they finally get to meet one of these quote unquote gods. And Darrow finds out this is someone very familiar from his past. At least one of them is. Yeah, but it's after the fact, after they like, subdue them mm-hmm. and the masks come off right oh that's right that's right um it's such a funny it? scene uh what's his name it was Mer- house mercury yeah proctor? the proctor for house mercury proctor mercury that's right uh, <laughs> but the whole scene because it, it was like what loki and who else like the two gods they were portraying uh, i forget but yeah it's like loki and someone else yeah, yeah they have masks on and they have like like i said the whole showmanship <laughs> aspect their voices are altered they're like ah blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> and but, Steffi's like all scared like oh my god yeah like, they're apprehensive like and the obsidian she brought with them are like oh, should we really be doing this yeah. like these guys sound like gods they look like gods <laughs> yeah this is <laughs> legit sound- this yeah is this might be god. legit and then, well because mustang's there too right and mustang's yeah. like this is all you know mustang's like my god i'm not a god yeah, so. i'm not a god um but it's so funny because then when they finally subdue them they like she kills one of them mustang mm-hmm. like just kills one of them the other one the low-key one which is ends up proc being proctor mercury or whatever yep. <laughs> and she ta- he takes the mask off and he, uh, he sees darrow and he's just like darrow like what the heck are you doing here so i like, I imagine this like really funny scene like if this was like like live action or something where like the mask comes off and he looks at like darrow and he's like really like 
out of all the places I have to find you, I'm here. Because, yeah, why are you here, Daryl? Yeah, because I, think, well, he's I don't, like I don't remember why. A storm, like this yeah, is yeah. just my luck. <laughs> yeah, my, because because he got what's well, kind of screwed over a little bit too because he like got banished or whatever. Right? Yeah, basically it's like a punishment to be sent to the spires. Yeah, because you're in relative isolation. You still have like the glory of being a god and like a nice little penthouse or whatever, yeah. but you're out of society. Basically, yeah, you're like you're doing like the the low end work, mm-hmm. um, like pleasing the low colors right right right. um but like so he's like not really enjoying life right now even though he's a goal he's not enjoying life but then he sees darrow and like okay the reaper he knows he knows exactly what darrow's done (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and he probably thought darrow was dead too at this point Uh, i don't know i just thought the whole scene was funny they end up killing him right too i'm I'm pretty sure they do yeah Yeah, they just kill him they're like whatever um but then they go get they collect the gold uh the armor and stuff right and they bring Mm. it back to alia right and then sefi ends up killing alia because she's like, she speaks for the first time ever, and she's like, she knew. Because yeah, she, she, she yeah. figures out Alia knew the whole time, and now Sefi knows for sure these aren't gods, and yeah. she can't stand it. And she's the one that ends up killing her mother. So Ragnar's goal is fulfilled by his sister. So basically, Sefi's the new Ragnar. Basically. As, as far as you know right now, it's still things later happen. Right, right, right. And so after that, uh, they go around all the obsidian tribes and basically recruit all the obsidians. And Darrow has his goal met, and then they go off. And take them with them. Yep. On to the next phase of the book. Felt like a <laughs> pretty like that. That felt like a pretty big chunk of the book. It was. It was. It yeah. Aspires, and then it kind of moves on to the next phase. You know, as they look to kind of take down the society now that they yeah. have you know a hundred thousand obsidians or however many they have with them. Yeah, a significant number of you know warriors that can take down golds. <laughs> That's when they do, I think, the big, from the next step there, they do the mass uh, transit, you know, of all everyone up to orbit to Darrow's ships that he's just recently acquired from Phobos and Mustang right. ships, mm-hmm. and they, they start sailing on the space. Mm-hmm. And they have a goal in mind now. So a little detail from uh, Back to the Triumph and Golden Sun. Rivas Ra, who was the arch governor of the, the Outer Rim of the Moon Lords, was there during the Triumph. And supposedly, quote unquote, this was an accident, but Rivas and I think the daughter of his son Romulus are killed in the triumph. And this is like a huge blow to the Moon Lords, who, if we remember, the Ash Lord destroyed Rhea, one of their moons, just, just annihilated the moon in order to subdue them and get them into the society. And they still remember that. That was only like 50 years in the past. Killed but after 60 million. Yeah, yeah, huge death toll. And now their arch governor and one of their favorite daughters is killed in the triumph. And mm-hmm. the Moon Lords cannot stand this. This is yeah. just too much. Their moon got blown up. Now this. And so the new Arch Governor Romulus has now started open rebellion with the society. And this is where kind of we get into the side story of a character we are very familiar with who did also betray Darrow the Triumph, and that's Roke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roke has had like a lot of victories. It's kind of hinted at in Golden Sun that he is this brilliant commander because he won the Triumph battle for Darrow in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's gone on and he's like with the Sovereign now. And he's winning tremendous victories against the Moon Lords, just crushing their fleets. Like, they're losing bad to Roke. Uh, but Darrow realizes that this is an opportunity. He can go, and maybe if he can convince the Moon Lords to side with him as well, and take out Roke's fleet, I mean, that would be an awesome victory for the society. So that's their next target. Mm-hmm. That's because, that's what was forcing those trade, or the, the sorry, the treaty no- negotiations was Roke crushing the Moon Lords and exactly. Mustang. He, mm-hmm, his fleet just yeah. caught him off guard. Whenever the triumph went down, it was actually like the whole executions across the entire system. 
and then the moon lords decided to rebel only to find out they thought they would have like three years for a real big like scepter armada to make it to them only to find Mm -hmm. out it took them like 70 days or something just got caught with their pants down Mm -hmm. right that's a good detail too that i forgot that rook had also destroyed mustang's fleet so yeah i mean rogue is just on top of this game right now so darren knows this is going to be probably a tough fight the poet the poet silly poet young poet um what happens between them so there's a there between More character development development like yeah right mustang uh, wait, talks the stuff, yeah they have the late the late the late night stuff that happens oh yeah there's the stuff where darrow's mom talks mom, to mustang yeah. that's right and, and darrow's mom's being like mom about everything like mm-hmm. oh my son's kind of re-falling in love i can tell by the way he's like looking because Daryl gets embarrassed because he's like looking at mustang like you know they're like kind of drinking a little bit and uh mustang is like talking being like you know the way she is and mm-hmm. daryl's like admiring the way that she's speaking or whatever and his mom like notices the way he's looking at mustang and he's kind of getting like kind of embarrassed by that but like you know so you have this like heartwarming kind of scene with like the family and everything and um the little kids are there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Darrow's brother is there with mm-hmm. his kids as well. And uh, Darrow also sees how Mustang's interacting with his mother. And she's talking, you know, very kindly to his mother. Mm-hmm. They get along surprisingly well. And Darrow's like, I didn't see this coming. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like, you know, Darrow's thinking like, you know, Mustang does get along with my mother. This is surprising. And he, the trust is starting to be built again mm-hmm. between Darrow and Mustang. There's yeah, still has this weird... weird sense, though, between... And Darrow hints in his like, inner monologue that, you know, she's like testing him and he doesn't know exactly. why. Yeah, but yeah. the like relationship is him. growing, you know, back to almost what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Dude. yeah, she's like testing him. Uh, we find out why later. Uh, we'll get to that, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, but then he kind of he's kind of also thinking about like you know these are it's weird like two big giant parts of his life at this point you know colliding colliding at, at like a certain point is like like I kind of been there before where like these like these two big giant different parts of my life finally like start to communicating with each mm-hmm. other right um, so I kind of like, related with Daryl with that but like it's it's just weird right it's a weird feeling like you have your red people and like the gold society and like you were all in you were in like neck deep in gold society for such a long time. And like, how can you imagine that those kind of people talking like humanely with these people that killed your first wife, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it works out though. And, and Darrow kind of sees like, you know, if, if we want to build a society that we're working towards with the rising, this is how it could be. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is how it should be. Yeah. yeah. It's how it should be. Um, <clears throat> not much else stuff. kind of goes on in that transit. It's just mm-hmm, like no. all of a sudden just they're talking, yeah. on the moon, right? What is the yeah, moon? they're making they're making their way over to Romulus. Yeah, but we don't know so, this yeah. entire time. The fleet's like in the dark. Daryl's just kind of doing his leadership thing, where he's like, "Trust me and follow me, and I'll take you where you need to go." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they end um, up on that the moon on Io. Io, the moon Io. Of Jupiter. That's right. <laughs> So yeah, they get all the way over there and Darrow touches down and Romulus comes out to greet him. And uh, so Darrow, his whole plan is he's going to convince Romulus to join the Rising, basically. But not really the Rising. He wants to fight Rogue. And that's been Romulus's goal for a very long time now. And like I said, he's been losing badly. 
But as it happens, whenever Darrow goes to visit the moon, Roke is there as well, trying to, you know, take Romulus's surrender to the society. So there's like a scene that happens in Romulus's meeting room where basically him and Roke have to plead their case. And mm-hmm. Romulus is going to listen to both sides and say, what's the best outcome for the people and the people of the moon, like the moon lords and all of their people. And Darrow basically says, I'll give you the in- your independence. Uh, yep. You know, as the rim and Roke this is more like, I'll give you the forgiveness, uh, like more senator vo- votes. You know, like it's kind of like lame. Political kind of like, eh, kind of stuff. And several or Darrow's giving like actual like sub like yeah Darrow's, tangible things. He's basically giving them what they want. What? Like they want their independence. They he's like Roke is going to give you more votes. Roke is going to give you somewhat of your own thing that you can do here. I'm going to give you your independence. I'm going to give you your moons back. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll be in total control. The society will never set foot in the outer rim again. But the only thing is, even though Roke is kind of like giving him some lame stuff, Roke has the backing of the society, and mm-hmm. the society is still in power. Yep. So Ramius has got to think, like, who's more trustable here? Like, if I go with Darrow, I'm taking a hard gamble that yeah. Darrow is going to be able to beat Roke, first of all, which is a hard order in itself. And he's going to have to go back and also take over and kill Octavio Alun, the society, mm-hmm. you know, the head of the society. So, um, Darrow does a make big... a good point, though, there, where he's he like, even if I don't beat, you know, Octavia, I'm going to hurt the society so bad that you'll be able to grow, you know, the rim strong enough to where you don't have to worry about, in, you know, uh, an attack again from them for a while. But yeah, Roke, that's a good point. Roke kind of starts to swing them in their vote saying, you know, you can't really trust this man. You got to come back to your golden brethren. Yeah, the golden roots or whatever. Yeah, you know, you come back to your golden roots, right? Right. But then and, uh, the big bomb drops. They, the, you know, the... I'll give you the sons of Ares. Well, not only that, remember they, they talk about the... Maybe they did that before, but they talk about the deep space depot where... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, this is where Darrow brings yeah, it up. Yep. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Zach. What? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, <clears throat> they, had, they had previously, I think on maybe the transit, they had discovered, you know, some nuclear weapons that they think the Jackal had taken from Octavia. Or maybe just in general at this point, they realized that there is an arsenal of, of nuclear weapons that Octavia has. Cassius and they're gave in a, them that information. Cassius did, yeah, because yeah. Cassius is still... That happened in the transit. Yep. <laughs> it happened yep. on the transit. <laughs> on the transit. <laughs> but uh, they, they realized that uh, these nuclear weapons are in a place where they could easily be picked up by, say, like the Sword Armada and taken over to the Moon Lords in, in their own transit to go to war with them. So it's very convenient for them. They could easily make another Rhea happen. Yep. And so Darrow kind of insinuates that Roke has these weapons right now. He's like, look, we have proof. There's a nuclear depot over here. I can even show you pictures. And then Roke is like, I didn't know about that. And so Roke kind of messes up here. Yeah. Well, because, the Sovereign uh, kept it to herself. Exactly. And that was, that was her fault there because no one was supposed to know about it. And then we're not really sure who is really just a bluff because we think it is. the Jackal has them, which is why the Sovereign was brokering for that, that piece. It's all kind of coming together here. All starting to mm-hmm. make sense as it all gets linked back. That, that piece the Sovereign was brokering for was because of the fear of the Jackal. And the fear of the jackal was because of this, the nukes basically going missing from this deep space depot. Exactly. But mm-hmm. Darrow does take a bit of a gamble, and he insinuates to Romulus that Roke has picked up these nukes and has brought them over to Io, basically. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, we have proof that these nukes exist. We're pretty sure Roke has them, and he plans to cause another Rhea. And since Roke didn't know about them, he gets super defensive. 
he's like this is absurd you know these claims are crazy but after darrow does show them some proof that they sounds gathered, like he's lying now it That's sounds like, like roke is yeah. lying mm -hmm. and he knows and then darrow kind of shoves the knife into roke's heart at this point and says like you know octavia is a liar like yeah. can you trust octavia aldoon and you know in that same regard can you trust roke sounds like he's lying he is lying yeah. and then romulus you know he's angry and he doesn't want another raid to happen he's still furious about that so he ends up joining darrow after like you said alec after he volunteers the sons sons yeah. mm -hmm. the sons of Ares yeah, that's the other the thing he gives to him which is a big sacrifice that's mm -hmm. quite the sacrifice which yep i mean it was necessary to get that on get him on his side but then uh he ends up meeting back with uh talks with roke right? afterward afterward he kind of catches up with him and you know he's like where did i lose you man like where was the turning point mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure it was uh when quinn died is when what when Quinn died, he even planned. Roke basically planned to kill him as a gold. Yeah, but it kind of makes sense there because you know at that point in the book, Daryl had like randomly decided to tranquilize Roke, <laughs> which was yeah, super yeah. sketch, <laughs> and then not no no explanation given. <laughs> so it, at, at at a moment too, when Roke was like, "I would have laid everything on the line for you, Daryl." Mm -hmm. Like Daryl was in trouble, and Roke was ready to help him, and then he tranked him. <laughs> and then not only that, like he lets Quinn die, and Daryl and Roke sees that there was a, an avenue where Darrow could have saved Quinn in that moment, but he mm. didn't because it wasn't a tactical thing to do. And then he's like, that kind of reveals something about you, Darrow. So he didn't forgive him for that. And then the poet gives a poem to them all as he's like leaving the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, like oh, so oh, lame. Shoot. Better be scared. <laughs> lame Roke. <laughs> lame Roke. This is, I listen to opera and poetry and okay. it's his signature you can't he's he's got to no, make like that dramatic poetry. exit <laughs> yeah well it's it's but that's kind of what he believes he believes yeah. in his golden superiority mm -hmm. he so, does for sure and he embellishes in it yeah the so society is what he lives for you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but like immediately after this whole thing happens it's like battle time yep they're all prepping up getting ready to go and like here we are which is nice because this whole book has been there's been like mini battles, but there haven't quite been the big war scenes that I feel that was in book two. You know, exactly. a lot of development, but this scene, you know, is pretty good. I thought pretty unique. I thought I thought awesome it. as well. We hear too so much about like these space battles, like the epic armada coming in and fighting. And we do have like some space battles in Golden Sun, but they don't we don't have like a large scale one, like mm -hmm. strategy and tactics, right? You know, all the moving parts where you see like the helmsman, you know commanding all the ships which is what darrow's about to do uh so this is a great example of this finally we get an awesome huge large-scale space battle mm -hmm. they talk about the size being like i think six times bigger than what they experienced over the siege of mars you know mm -hmm. back in book, book two book two or however right many times yeah just massive massive ships going you know kill them or kilometers long it's just hard to fathom you know kilometer long ships sailing I mean, yeah, that's that's nuts. And I'm pretty sure Roke is in command of like a dreadnought, which even dwarfs Darrow's Pax, which mm -hmm. was a huge ship that he had captured. So, yeah, the Sword Armada is nothing to mess with. Is this as big as a uh, Star Destroyer? How big is it? I think it's a Moonbreaker, uh, right? A Moonbreaker. There you go. Ooh, there yeah, go. Th these are the things they were going to use to, you know, literally break moons. So even bigger than a dreadnought. I, I, I kind of picture like you do, Alec. I think the Star Wars Star looking Wars, ships. Yeah. <laughs> Public command ship, I don't know. Like, 
that's what I think in my head. Um, but anyway, so we get to where, like, the, what, at the end of the battle-ish, um, Darrow is confronting Rogue. They're all in, like, what, in his hangar bay or whatever. Not the hangar mm-hmm. bay, the... They, they meet up with him, and he's defeated. Yeah, so basically, you know, Darrow's got to figure out how he's going to beat Rogue. And Darrow, the Reaper Darrow, is known as, like, this harsh, you know, kind of rush-into-battle type guy. And he figures Rogue is going to expect that. So Darrow does what seems to be a really stupid ploy in Rogue's eye, and he just kind of drives his ship straight at Rogue. And Rogue's like, Darrow, go ahead and surrender. Like, you know, at this point, Rogue is, like, destroying Darrow's fleet, and Darrow looks like he's going to get destroyed by Rogue as well. He's like, Darrow, you know, you, you can't stand up to me. I have a Moonbreaker. But to, Dar- uh, to Rogue's surprise, Darrow launches an attack with claw drills, you know, some red heritage stuff that he brings back. And they drill into the side of Rogue's ship and enter his ship with tons of obsidians. Mm-hmm. He stored them all in these claw drills and they easily overpower like the very sparse crew Rogue has on his ship. And they make their way all the way to the bridge where Rogue is commanding the whole fleet. And they can't get in, though. Uh, they've got these humongous blast doors on the bridge and they're trying to drill through. They can't do it. You know, they're running out of time. And all of a sudden the doors open and they find out that a pink who has just kind of had enough, right, opens the door for them. And, you know, she's a friend of the rising. That's kind of the so beauty of it, you know, going through there, though. It's like all these things are go right for Daryl, but not mm-hmm. the entire time in the book. You know, if everything was mm-hmm. going right for Daryl, the whole book book would be pretty boring. But there's a lot of exactly. setbacks he experiences. I mean, look at the yeah. setbacks oh, from yeah. book two to book three. But even here, things are, he happens to get lucky with his tactic. Like you said, he pushes to the bridge. They're about to, they're in like a kill box. They're about to all get mowed down. You know, they're like, we're going to die. But then some luck, the pink, you know, touches the, the door and exactly. opens it. Uh, them, so. But the pink was like, uh, you know, she had enough or whatever. And Roke was like, what the heck? Yeah, Roke feels betrayed. He's, he's like, thought this pink was like his lover. He's like, yeah. you would do this? But I mean, to her, he's just a gold that's abusing her, basically. Yeah, yeah. So. And Roke, this is, this is just an example of Roke lost in his society ideals. Yeah. He doesn't really understand what's going on. Nope. Um, but like you said earlier about um, his red heritage kind of tactics, right? Um, Daryl mentions how, like, you know, Roke would assume that I'm going to... He knew me as a gold. He knew me how I would fight as a gold, but he didn't know me as a red. Exactly. That's why the tactic works. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty exactly. cool. But yeah, then they, they beat up Roke, and Roke's like, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> yeah Darrow basically is trying to convince Roke like you can come back right, come back man come back you got yeah. this. he's like nah 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 he nah. tries I'm to convince die. him like tactics but yeah. Roke is mm-hmm. so convinced in the society and his purpose and his honor that I'd rather kill myself and keep my honor than live join. in a world that you've yeah. created or something exactly yeah. he, he just will never accept Darrow's world so he recites a poem and he kills himself yeah. very uh, very very Roke, Roke. very poetic <laughs> but uh in the aftermath uh, you know, Darrow's in contact with Romulus still, you know, the whole battle's still going on. Darrow realizes something, you know, there are these famed docks over on the moons that the Ganymede docks, the Ganymede docks that the moon lords use to launch their attacks and they have their humongous fleet of ships that they're known for. And, you know, Darrow realizes Romulus doesn't know that Darrow has taken over Rogue's ship yet. Mm-hmm. And he realizes this is a perfect opportunity to do something terrible, something he doesn't want to do, but something he feels is necessary for the future. He, he thinks that this is the time that he needs to take Rogue's ship and destroy the Ganymede docks, killing millions also of low colors, too. This is another thing. He, he gave up the suns that are in, on the moons, but he's also about to kill millions of low colors again to devastate the moon lords. Huge sacrifices. And Darrow, at this point, he's not even sure if he can do it. He's steering the ship towards the Ganymede docks. 
Romulus calls him and says, Darrow, what's happening? Have you reached the bridge yet? He's like, I'm trying, Romulus. I can't get through, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Darrow, you've got to stop him. They're going to destroy the docks. And Darrow gets off the call with him, and he's, Darrow's still not sure if he can do it. But Victra is there with him, and Victor says, you know, I'll do this one. I'll share the burden with you. And they both pull the trigger together and destroy the docks. What do you think? Like, stuff. if you were in that position of Daryl, would you have destroyed the docks? Like, it was the tactical move to make. It seemed pretty mm-hmm. smart. If, I mean, if I was Daryl, I mean, he was, he was, you know, back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, right now, my moral compass says no. Right, I, could, I don't think I can do it. I don't have this. Like, he, he was on the brink of doing it, and he's done just as bad stuff in the past. You know, like, he's killed a bunch of people he has a bunch of guilt and burdens he's a but like he's a warlord man he he does this kind of stuff right me being me right now i couldn't do it <laughs> like there's no way <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but i don't know if i was in his position i don't know he was on, if he was on edge dude i would definitely be on like there would be a no for me mm-hmm. so i, don't I mean know. you got to look at it from two perspectives like if you're a darrow or if you were yourself at darrow at this point i think has kind of embraced the fact that he's done terrible things and like, he has to do whatever it takes to win this is a sacrifice he might have to do and it's a, it's a huge sacrifice, which is why he, he hesitates, but he still does it. Now, for me, I'm trying to put myself both in Darrow's shoes and in my own shoes. Like, let's say I've done terrible things like Darrow has. I've made these sacrifices, killed these people. Romulus did agree to help me, and Romulus is an honorable man. The Moon Lords are true to their word, and he, he gambled on me, and this is all working out. I personally would feel terrible just ruining his, any chance of you know, military independence, all of that, by destroying these docks, killing all these people. I don't think I could do it personally. I don't know. I uh, think I could pull the trigger. <laughs> you think you could pull the trigger? I mean, it, I wouldn't want, I, I think like Daryl, you wouldn't want to. And it's kind of, it's a very difficult situation as a, ta- like a war tactician. It was a beautiful move. Oh yeah. You know, it was it, the go to the move to make, but you know, they're morally by far morally. It's straight and simple. Like, no, don't, you don't kill innocents like then, that. Then you just, then you just live with it. But, you know, you as he, that that's that conflict that's always gone inside of Darrow, you know, the red and gold, you know, he's got mm-hmm. this burden of a rebellion behind him where, you know, he wants to be the honorable man and probably keep his word with Romulus. But he knows that if he doesn't take out those docks, then they're going to come for him one day or another, they will. you know, mm-hmm. he's going to have to fight that battle one day and he'd rather have to fight it without their dock, you know, fully equipped. So 100 percent. Yeah, hard I to pull the trigger, but. I, I see why he did. How about that? I don't know if I could do it, but I, I see why I could, yeah. he did it. I see yeah. why. Yeah. I don't think any of us would know if we were, unless we were in the situation. Yeah, probably yeah. all of us in our current state of mind would not be. No, able to no, do it. no. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe if I maybe if I was tortured for nine months and I was dead to the world, like, <laughs> I'd be a different man. Maybe. <laughs> maybe if you grew up as a slave, like a red throughout yeah, society. He's he's been through some stuff. We definitely have not. <laughs> a car but, yeah, twice. <laughs> This is, it's definitely one of the hardest decisions Darius had to make on a large scale, for sure. All right. Well, now we get to, like, on the tail end, the juicy, juicy parts of this That's book. like the second phase of the book right there. First, it was like the Ice Spires. Now it's uh-huh. like the, the space battles, and now it's on to, like, the conclusion portion. Right. It, it felt pretty three broken to me, like, segmented almost. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's actually broken into parts like that in the book. But I mean, it's in four parts, but I mean, those themes the, seemed to, it seemed, you know, from one part to another. Yeah. I agree. That's how I felt about it, Jake, in the three parts. The, the book has four. Like, the first part is the breaking Darrow out. Second part is the Quicksilver. The third part is the, the Spires. The Spires. Well, no, no, no. four parts. It's, it's, it goes breaking Darrow out, then Quicksilver Silver slash Spires, Spires, then Roke, and then finally going to Octavia. 
but yeah i would i would consider it more as the three-part thing you were talking about gotcha. wow. oh, oh this is this is the bad part dude with the um that he gets the like the hollow uh narrow oh not yeah so quite yet, not yet, yet. there's yeah. there's a few things that, that go down before that yeah uh when they're in transit again first back thing, the way they came yeah the first thing is a significant thing so antonio uh, Antonio, another another old name, was one of Broke's generals, and basically after they destroy the Ganymede docks, she flees, mm-hmm. and that seals the battle for Darrow and Romulus. And Victor like tracks her down and takes all of her ships, and then you know Darrow realizes by right of conquest, Victor actually has like one of the biggest fleets now in the Suns, and she could easily like go AWOL right now or betray Darrow, but she's like, ah, you know, I'll stick around, right? But uh, anyway, so like they're going in transit away to. Uh, go and fight the sovereign and they have antonia captive and they want to basically interrogate antonia for information and they have thistle as well like an old howler and they put them both like in separate cells and they say like whoever talks first you know it's gonna get to live all of that trying to trying to pit them against each other but antonia ends up killing thistle and then victor goes in and like beats the, the crap out of antonia and uh anyway that whole scene goes down but in the middle of that, they're also talking to Cassius, and Darrow kind of has like a heart-to-heart with Cassius. He like has a drink with them, you know, brings up old memories of the Institute and all of that, trying to like win Cassius over and like rekindle some kind of bond. But the, the stuff he's talking about with Cassius has a part to play in what we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, he, right before he leaves Cassius, he gives him a little hollow cube. The hollow cube, yep. Oh, that um, was a big shock to me. They, they talk about, they really don't say explicitly what it is. I kind of had to do some research to double check because I thought they, they tell was... you at the end of the book. They tell you at the end of the book. Like oh, okay, book. okay, okay. We'll get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was confused yeah, so upon reading that portion. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, uh, um, I was confused too. I remember we had a conversation about this because yeah, the, the, right then it's ambiguous because he's like, "The truth is hard" or whatever. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to take the truth or whatever. Um, but I think at, at that point, you know, like there's some stuff that happens toward the end of the book we're gonna get to, but like I think that wins Cassius over. Like that whole we're drinking we're adults hanging out, reminiscing of our past, looking at Rogue's old diaries or whatever. Like, <laughs> laughing about the Institute memories. About, yeah, drinking some whiskey, you know, and like opening up to each other, right? Um and Cassius is really cool about everything too. He's just like, you know, it must be hard. Not not like he like realizes how hard it could have been not being not being able to talk to anybody about being a red. You know? Right. He sees Darrow's perspective. Yeah. And you know, he does remember that him and Darrow were great friends mm-hmm. back whenever they were on, you know, good terms. So I mean, Darrow's been thinking it and obviously he's been thinking it even though like they had their blood feud that It's kinda of falling know, off at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, they just don't talk about it anymore. Like <laughs> But they have all this other like beef with each other that's kind of like gone ish now. I mean, yeah. even though he had like an arrow into the neck maybe months ago like whatever <laughs> I mean, he, he's basically like this is war yeah uh but that the, there's one other thing too the significant that happens and it is that darrow gets that transmission mm-hmm. from the jackal and at this point it's like a couple weeks old but basically the, the jackal executes narrow mm-hmm. his uncle narrow uh and darrow's always been back and forth about narrow whenever he was a kid but in the in the way that narrow is now with the with the sons he's this leader he's this hero and then he broadcasts this all across the galaxy the killing of narrow mm-hmm. Yep, and it it causes a terrible reaction with some of the people on board uh, Darrow's ship, namely the Obsidians and some of the low colors. Well, he was so, like what Ragnar was to the Obsidians, like he is that to the Reds. Exactly, mm-hmm. he's their hero, and they just can't take it. They're they're basically it's like 
high colors versus low colors now on Darrow's ship. And Jackal, he planned this out very tactfully to, to sow discord among the ranks. So they actually grab Cassius out of his cell and they drag him out to like this gallows where they're already hanging like golds, basically. And they're not really even putting Cassius on trial. They're just condemning him to death mm-hmm. uh, with this huge mob. And it's Cephi leading them, surprisingly enough. Yeah, so, Mustang's like, uh, it's Cephi. It's like, where's Cephi? Where's Cephi? Daryl's like, where's Cephi? Where's Cephi? And then Mustang's like, Cephi's the one leading them. And they're like, what's going on? And then the next chapter happens. Right. Oh, and, yeah. yeah oh, snap. At, at this point, like, even Mustang's not safe. Mustang yeah. and the Telemonis' Kavox is like, Mustang, you got to get out of here. <laughs> like, they might come for you next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is total chaos. But then this is where Severo comes into play. You know, he's Ares. He puts on his mask. He goes up there. And they're like, Ares, like and cheering his name. Ares. Ares, Ares. And then uh, he goes to Cassius and he's like, like, what do we do to killers? Yeah, he's Murderers. like, this is Cassius Abelona. He murdered my father. He's a killer. What do we do, we do to killers? Kill? And then he kicks him, you know, off the gallows we and he's hanging. Killed yeah, and but then, he's like, I've killed people. I've, yeah, exactly. I've murdered he, so, like, so many gold, this, so many reds, this, this and that. What this also kind of like, kill us? yeah, and he like hangs himself. He like backflips. Um, yeah, he back, does a backflip back off the gallows, and he's hanging at this point. But this kind of like parallels the first book. You know, when he when Darrow uh, took those whips, yep. he got whipped too. Exactly. And you know, like he took that leadership position. Like you know, if he's gonna get punished for the things that we're doing, I'm also gonna get punished for the things. That and I'm doing. Darrow's watching this happen. He almost has like a tear in his eye. Yeah. He's like, Sever really did take a page out of my book. Yeah. Maybe a little. Grandiose. Yeah, with yeah this, this is a little bit too much. And Victor's like freaking out, like several of them kill himself. <laughs> and uh this like hardcore confuses the mob because they have never seen just like how Tactus was like broken down almost by what Darrow did in the Institute. Exactly, yeah. The mob doesn't know how to react to you know Ares hanging himself. Yeah. And they realize, you know what, he's right. I mean, we're all kind of killers. killers. Yeah. And Sefi, she finally cuts Cassius down, and then they end up cutting Severo down as well. And so the mob is dispersed at that point. Severo's huge act of uh just craziness basically but also making them look inward on who they are the whole sons mm-hmm. of aries has stopped this mob and uh victra you know kind of in the background has had like this little romance like going on with Severo, Severo, but they mm-hmm. kind of had like a hard point after the battle with roke and she like was like i'm I, i'm not no good for you or i'm no good for anybody and she kind of leaves him but then after she sees Severo do this she's like oh my god like i can't live without you like mm-hmm. i can't believe i didn't think you were this kind of person and they get married. We have yep. like a wedding also on route to the sovereign. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know. We're at that point. We're going to the sovereign. The ship's just that's true. That's true. The ship yeah, is the detail, Jake. Um, but um, you know that that the wedding is like a nice kind of little break that seems to happen a lot in the third book, where people are kind of just you're kind of getting the backstory again of people and seeing mm-hmm. their deeper colors, and you see a little bit I, from one of the wedding. I thought one of the funny scenes was I think it's Pebble and Clown clown yeah, is like is. yeah drunk they're like oh yeah. super drunk. oh no they're getting married first of all several's getting married and mustang's like asking daryl are you drunk and he's like Shh, he's like you're not you're not drunk he's enough like, he's like she's like <laughs> here take my flask yeah. or whatever right and then and then pebble's like or clown's like talking about pebble like dancing with some gray officer he's like do you think I should go dance with her or something like he's that? Like, just, hey, like, he's dancing with a really handsome. He's like, he's like, I feel kind of rude. He's like, oh, just bow, just bow before you go in there. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> right. And he goes in and he actually does <laughs> it, and they crack up. They're like, I didn't yeah. think that clown was actually going to do that. He looks like a fool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so this is a cute little moment there, right? Um, but then it doesn't really end all happy because we got some other stuff going on too, right? Because holiday comes in, right? Yep. 
and it has some uh, has some things to say. Yeah, there's like a heart to heart moment as well between Holiday and Darrow. And it's like you said at the beginning when we first started talking about like the trick and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, trick has died and Holiday's kind of been carrying that burden with her for mm-hmm. a long time. And she goes and she's she's kind of drunk as well, talking to Darrow, and she starts bringing up Trig, like telling some old stories about how her and Trig used to do this and how mm-hmm. Trig was as a kid. And Darrow kind of realizes, like, this was for her, not for me. Like, yeah, she she needs this, and he listens, and he realizes that he Darrow was really the only one that knew Trig mm-hmm. in that very brief moment when Trig helped break him out. Darrow did get to know him a little bit, but no one else really did. So exactly. Holiday can only confide in Darrow in this moment, and she feels kind of weak, and Darrow's there for her. So it's another mm-hmm. heartwarming moment between the two of them. Which gets um, interrupted by, by the darn Jackal's yeah. phone call. Yeah, exactly. And then we have this really long conversation between him and the Jackal that I liked a lot. Um, they're just going back and forth kind of stuff, right? And Daryl's just saying, like, I don't hate you. Like, you know, you, you're just sad because you want your daddy's love and all this stuff. Just like talking all this about him. And the Jackal's kind of like taken back by it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you don't really know anything about me, Daryl, whatever. Well, he's like, you're the only one that really understands me because he, the, I guess Daryl gave him that scepter with the oh, yeah, jackal's head. That's jackal, right. Jackal yeah, skull there's on that it, yeah. detail and uh, the jackal still has yeah, it. Yeah, he still has it. They still later. like, even though they're enemies, you know, they, they seem to understand each other pretty darn well. It reminds they me do, a little right? bit of whenever they're brokering that deal back in the, the second book, you know, on Luna, when they kind of meet and they're at that club. Yeah. Kind of yeah. just talking. Mm-hmm. Kind of gave me that it's, set it's, of vibes. They're, they're kind of rehashing it again you know sitting down face to face but enemy right i agree with that and it's it's kind of shocking not even shocking but it's unsettling to darrow how well he does know this this jackal character and Mm -hmm. how close they almost are in some of their personality traits but yeah they do have an interesting conversation but and then mustang um, comes in and says darrow's not alone while they're similar there's not darrow has the people around that love and support him you know so he can never Mm -hmm. be like the jackal exactly and the mm-hmm. jackal only has fear even though he wants love or jackal <laughs> but it's very hard to have sympathy for him. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very hard um so now we get to like the final like end push here right um they're still like on their on track right that's where they're going they're just like floating around right yeah um, supposedly they think they're going to mars right because that's mm-hmm. where the next step of the battle would take them but that's they, not the case they we get have, to the um, rubicon beacon or so they call him. I guess mm-hmm. it's the outer boundaries conflict. and Darrow's like, we're actually going to Luna. Yeah. Yep. There's the things that happen there with Antonia and what's her name? And Thistle, yeah. Thistle, I, yeah. I kind of mentioned that, but I guess yeah, the timeline, a little hazy, but yeah. Uh, she kills Thistle and, you know, they want to use Antonia for information. And at the same time, Darrow has been kind of working on Cassius a little yeah. bit. Uh, he, she showed him the hollow well. He gave yeah. it to him to watch and he had that whole sit, sit down and drink session with him, you know, bringing up old memories. And so at this point, they're going to Luna. Like it's it's pretty clear they're going to Luna. He starts to let his inner, his inner circle know this is our plan. And then he goes to talk to Cassius. And he's like, okay, Cassius, I think that we kind of have an understanding now. I'm going to let you go if if you can just go out, you know, leave. I don't want to see you again. But I think that based on our past friendship and the trust that we've kind of rebuilt a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Right. And so they go in the process of going to Cassius's cell. They take his handcuffs off, and then he backstabs him. He, he, he backstabs. Backstabs him. He he shoots, shoots Severo, Severo in the shoots back. Severo dead. dead. So this we blew think, me yeah, away. So think, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. no, no, no I, I was like in shock. 
this was me a couple days ago because I just finished the book like on mm-hmm. Thursday, right? Yeah, what was your reaction to it? Uh, I first on Wednesday. My reaction, the first time, I was like, I like legitimately thought until like we get to the plot twist later, like Cassius, I was like, Cassius is such a freaking, like I hate him. Like what oh, yeah. the heck? Like, why would he do that? After all this stuff, he's just going to like, with a man with so much honor, he's just going to like say, I, I, on my father, he's like on my father, on my brother, on Julian. Like, on Julian. The, I'll on, swear on Julian. Yeah, like all this stuff, like you're going to do that and then just, you know, backstab them and then get Antonio with you and go back to the sovereign. sovereign. I'm like, how? how? I was like so mad, right? Because this happened like a couple days ago and I was really in a bad like mental state, right? And like <laughs> this happened, I was like, really? Um, but this was like when I was picking up because I had to finish the whole book like that night, right? After right. this was happening. But yeah, I was, I was, you can't, end on, you can't end on that note. That would be terrible. No, I couldn't. I had, I, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, like, keep whatever reading, I was like, doing, I like, forget about something, it. Yeah. Yeah. Something more has to happen because, you know, he's talking about like Darrow's like my best friend. He's holding his best friend in his arms. Like there's his warm blood. He's talking about his warm blood. Yeah. Love, just like, trickling, down. trickling down. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then they like put him into like the little container or whatever. Yeah. Like the they, trash bin yeah, basically. And they just throw Severo's body on top of him and Mustang. And they just like go. They just go. Yeah. Cassius and Antonio. <laughs> it's like you said, Jake. Whenever I first read this, I was devastated. I was like, not Severo. Like, mm. To add on to the fact that Cassius did something that was totally out, out of character, I thought. It had to be Severo. Like, it, it's got to be Severo that he kills. I mean, it was devastating. I was like, how can I even go on reading this with Severo dead? <laughs> yeah, I think I was getting towards the end of the night when I was reading that. I was like, well, forget about sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to continue this. <laughs> You can't end on that. Yeah, but then they, they escape. Getting back. They, yeah, they escape. They take off in their plane. They they clear everything. You know, Darrow's cleared the way for Cassius, only to find out he's really cleared the way for his betrayal. And they yeah, they run into the jackals men, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Cassius makes a transmission, and then they get picked up by the jackal. And then Cassius and Antonia deliver the Reaper to the Jackal. Mm-hmm. And the Jackal's like, well done, Bologna. He cut his hand off. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, they go through this whole thing where like the Jackal's like kind of lording over Darrow and, you know, kind of putting him in his place as he wants to. And he's like, okay, Cassius, go ahead and tie up. Which hand do you prefer? He says like to Darrow. No, 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 it was... Um, which, what's which, the sword? Which, are you, are you what's left, the sword? That's yeah, well, you left or right-handed. What's his, are you left or right-handed? And then they tie up. I believe it's his right hand, obviously. Yeah, his right hand. And so he's like, okay, uh, Bologna, how about you do it or something? Either him or the Jackal. I think it is Cassius that cuts his hand off. Yeah, Cassius does. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you have a problem with it? Because like at this, at this point, um, he was like, unless you're hesitant. He told, yeah, he told that thing, he's, Cassius. Yeah, because he's kind of testing Cassius. And I, at that point, I kind of... tripping. Yeah, he but is. at that point, though, I kind of got like this weird just like, okay, maybe Cassius isn't... There's something going on there. Because mm-hmm. um, Darrow said there's like hesitant, like this like really bad, like I don't want to cut Darrow's hands off. He and, sees something in Cassius's eyes or yeah, something. Yeah, like because he knows that like... Like this is how could he have an honor about that, you know, but not about betraying him and shooting several, you know, so it could have. Right. I didn't quite pick up on anything quite there. I was like, this is just odd. I I was like, how the heck is Daryl going to get out of this one? Yeah. Nothing is in his favor right now. The odds are like that one in six million from like, you know, Mm -hmm. Avengers Endgame. (laughs) Yeah. Which which, which scenario is this? Um, but I, I felt something there with the hesitant thing. I kind of got like some weird gist going on. That's like, that was like a little click in my brain. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand what that meant. Like at that point of the book, but I like got a weird like feeling. I think I was in the same boat with you because at first I did get the feeling whenever Cassius said the hesitance, but then as soon as Cassius cut his hand yeah, off, I was, I was back like, okay. to like I was the like, dread. Like, like, oh okay. God. 
you know, like, we're back in this dark. He pit actually of, did it. Mm-hmm. It would be different. He's like, no, J- Jackal, you go ahead and do it. Like, whatever. Like, that would be one thing. But the fact that he did it. He does it. Yeah. <laughs> and this this is like, if, if they were maybe putting on some kind of facade, Darrow's hand is now literally gone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They're, they're in the pit now. <laughs> um, but yeah, they take him in, right? He finally, he's there talking to, well, this is, before they get to Octavia, what happens between Jackal and Octavia? Jackal tries to buy Severo's bones. Oh, yeah. Buy Severo's bones. He's like, they're not, they're not for sale. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, they belong to the state, the society or whatever. You don't own them. Or Cassius is like somewhat honorable about yeah. that or yeah. something like something that. Something dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, so he doesn't sell Severo's bones. Um, and then Octavia comes, right? And they get all this yeah. stuff. And I think they go Severo's down. They beat. go to Octavia. They go down. She's, she's in yeah, a bunker because, you know, yeah. the whole war is still going on. They go down to see Octavia and Darrow has like basically trying to mount a surprise attack on Luna. And mm-hmm. he thinks that it's going to be a surprise attack. But Octavia already knows we find out mm-hmm. and she's ready to just destroy the suns. So they go to this hangar and Octavia seems to be fully in control of the war. Mm-hmm. Well, the Ash Lord uh, sitting on the other side of the moons mm-hmm. because the Jackal guessed his move. You know, everyone thought he was going to Mars. Turns out the Jackal, which, you know, is obviously there, but his fleet is there, too. So right. Daryl's just super outnumbered in space. And so not he's not even there to captured. lead him. Yeah, he's not there to lead him. He's captured, and he's going to have to basically watch as the suns just crumble before him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Jackal's there acting all confident and smirky, that mm-hmm. whole, whole situation, right? I mean, we don't really know why at that point. Yeah, he's even talking to Octavia yeah, in a like, way that Darrow kind of like raises mm-hmm. an eyebrow at. Like, you're talking to the Sovereign very offhandedly like something's going on yeah. behind the scenes like you have to have some sort of leverage on her if like you're gonna be acting this way to right her. the and, dynamic but we don't know about definitely it weird yeah. though and he like mm-hmm. kind of notes it i think daryl even notes it like in mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. internal speech right yeah raises an eyebrow at it um but then they have the whole point they're like okay well we're gonna we gotta we gotta kill daryl on live television <laughs> yeah so they start broadcasting yeah. and octavia goes into this long speech about the society it's and how it's terrible to stand up to them and they will live on forever yeah. and blah blah a bunch, bunch, bunch of lies mm-hmm. like um but this i got a really like i can chill and like just like i was, I was listening to like the audiobook um he because the the narrator he's he gives like the old like scottish kind of like like accent the old the red accent when he was like he's like i'm a hill diver from oh like from lycos or whatever and he like does his how or whatever that whole like thing right before they're about to kill him mm-hmm. um because what jackal was going to use severo's pistol to yeah. kill him yeah it was going to be i think maybe she was going to have aja execute darrow yeah. but then jackal's the like, jackal's like no no let me do it yeah. and then surprisingly octavia's like yeah. octavia's like okay fine you can kill yeah, darrow like whatever and then he's to disgrace darrow he grabs the dead Severo's pistol. pistol. He's like, I'll kill him with his own best friend's pistol. Mm-hmm. But then he, he goes to shoot him and it clicks. There's nothing in, yeah. in the weapon. And then all of a sudden, you know, Darrow, he, he howls, he and, howls then. and then the action starts. Yeah. yeah. So he howls and then Cassius comes in. And this like, part, I got like physically like excited. No, I felt my heart like, racing at this point. Like, like, let's go. Um, but it's so weird because it's like, this is supposed to be like a whole like, you know, master plan, right? Or like they were hoping that this would, they were like, this better work. If this doesn't work, we're like all screwed, kind of. Right. Um, they don't even talk about it because for us, it's also like a mystery the way he writes it. Like it's all like a act play this whole time. Like we think that Cassius is like, we believe it. Like we're like Antonia 
like in the situation yeah we're, we're like an outside we're not in darrow's inner thoughts really like yeah. we don't know that this is all a scheme he says that severo's dead so yeah. we are led to believe severo's dead cassius is an enemy yeah. um it's like he was writing it as if he was joking about it like um like my my best friend's blah 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 like you know being sad about it but yeah all this stuff happens and cassius comes in and like he kind of starts it all like he he takes one of those guards or whatever away yeah he starts he starts to like kill the guards mm-hmm. and i think there are other olympic knights there that he just slaughters yeah. basically cassius is like um, still that expert duelsman you know that he mm-hmm, did in the bleeding mm-hmm. pits was bleeding pits exactly and yeah just yeah mm-hmm. annihilates him and then mustang and darrow join the fight and they start aja she's the fight just begins with everyone yeah, in the fight begins um, right but but oh, they get kind they, they get kind of pinned right they get kind of pinned and then they're like oh yeah and they <laughs> they use the the with the snake the snake the, the snake bite mm-hmm. and they pop it into Severo and then Severo like wakes up and I'm like wait what because <laughs> it all made sense because it yeah. there was that subtle detail he was drinking from a flask you know before um mm-hmm. he went into open up Cassius's cell and mm-hmm. we find out at this point so that in that flask was the Manthus oil that the same mm-hmm. thing that Darrow his heart rate. Oh, in yeah, the first book he, that you know mm-hmm. basically Fate kills you. Yeah. Lotus heart rate. Yeah. It like lowers your heart rate. And there's just all these links back to that first book. I think it really ties in the trilogy. It was just like Mm -hmm. great parallels. Yeah. Um, But I think it's so funny when Samurai wakes up. I was telling Zach about it earlier. He like wakes up and like, he's like, Daryl, you're bleeding. He's like, I know. (laughs) Daryl, your hand. Your hand is gone. I know. (laughs) He's like, it worked. Uh, He's like, it worked. He can't can't believe it. And he is like pumped. Like, Basically, this this drug has gotten him on his feet, and he's raring to go. He basically throws himself into the battle. <laughs> and at this point, uh, Cassius, Mustang, and Darrow have made pretty quick work of every warrior in there. And I think Darrow even like inflicted a blow upon Octavia, uh, right as he like broke out of his mm. shackles. Oh yes, right. Yeah, right she's like fatally wounded. He stabs wounded. her with the, exactly. the hidden so blade she, inside his jacket. Yes, so she's like fatally wounded, but. You know, you also thing. have Aja Al Grimace here, of course, one of the Furies to protect the Sovereign and the greatest warrior in all the galaxy. And as Severo awakens, he realizes that it's basically Cassius, Mustang, and Darrow against uh, Aja, and they're losing. Yeah, like da- Aja. Darrow doesn't even have a hand. <laughs> Darrow has no hand. Cassius is in full form along with yeah. Mustang, but they cannot beat Aja. Like she is having no problem. She's got off full the armor on. They're they're not mm-hmm. very well equipped here. They're not very well equipped either. That's that's very true. Uh, but Severo yeah, turns Severo, the tide here. He does. He, yeah. he he rushes out. He turns the tide, and they're finally able to beat down Aja. For um, the first time, they, she believed. They talk, I thought yeah, it was pretty significant. It, like, that was yeah. very significant. <clears throat> She's like this godlike warrior that we almost. I mean, we never seen a scratch on her. Exactly, she just yeah. mows down enemies with with grace, and you know, barely breaks breaks a sweat. But mm-hmm. finally, she's kind of getting cornered herself. Mm-hmm. Severo starts double wielding the uh the razors too and then i think he, he cuts off both her arms she yeah yeah she falls to a knee and then he jumps up with both razors and like sticks them in her chest and then howls i was like oh <laughs> shoot <I'm> just, yep <laughs> like, but i mean i guess she deserved it in the end <laughs> but yeah like, they talk did. about octavia just like shuddering and like or like oh my goodness yeah yeah the greatest warrior the site has ever known falling you know a pinnacle mm. of the golds but it, when yeah when her arm falls off or whatever they say like like she looks at it almost as if she doesn't believe it's her arm right like because there's no way that i could lose or like, there's no i don't think aja ever pictured herself so, losing to anybody yeah 
um, especially this bad. Right. <laughs> especially the Severo. <laughs> the Severo. It's so funny, too, because Severo is, like, maniacal. Yeah. Like, it's almost comedic how he basically throws himself at Aja. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the, so- the Sovereign was like, she's like, oh, you burn bright. They'll remember you. <laughs> and Severo's, Severo's like, like, nah. like, nah. I don't think that's not going to be like off. that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Severo. Uh, yeah, it's like it's pretty comic. It's pretty, uh, yeah, pretty. Yeah, but it's so funny because it's, like, it's such a gruesome battle. It is gruesome. But Severo is like super comic. Really, like, he's like funny about it, which is really weird because like the whole beginning, there's all this dread leading up to it, right? Mm-hmm. And you find out there's this whole plot twist, and then all this like stuff happens, and it's like, oh my gosh, we're about to lose this battle. Then you find out, oh yeah, Severo is not dead, and you like wake him up. And I'm like, yay, Severo's not dead. But then he acts like a like. I don't know, like a barbarian, like he's just out of there, crazy. Like I mean, I think it's perfect because it's, we it's we were hilarious. in this dark place where we thought Severo was dead, and now all of a sudden he's alive. We're really happy about that, but we get to see like Severo at his height of comedy, yeah. Severo at his height of like fighting and all of that. Like everything we love about Severo is coming back as we realize he actually he's is still alive. alive. So you feel, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Though, like I felt like you feel good mm-hmm, when, you, mm-hmm. when you like listen. I read that, so it's like I don't know. I think it's just funny. Like, imagine that scene play out, like, in, like, a, if it was live action or something, like, it couldn't happen. There's no way you could make it, like, funny and also have this kind of. <laughs> it would take some happen. real talent. The for sure. actors that you'd have to cast for, or especially for Severo, would have to be pretty unique. Oh, yeah. You would have to. See, you could make it into, like, a, like, if this was, like, a video game cutscene, you could make it happen. Like, if it was, like, animated, right? But I don't, like, live action, it wouldn't work. You'd have to have someone special. It couldn't just be your yeah. run-of-the-mill like young adult actor or something like that. Yeah, it couldn't. But they know. are talking about Probably. making a series, though. That would be. They nice. are. We'll see. We'll see. We'll um, see if it yeah, pans so, out to the book. So all this stuff happens. You know, we got Lysander. Um, you know, he's yeah. left over. Uh, he comes. He's he's in there with in the bunker. He's witnessed yeah, yeah. all of this. He's only like a ten-year-old kid. He's just so. like, well, my grandma died. <laughs> he's seen. He's seen some stuff. <laughs> But uh, the jackal's still there. They've 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 wounded the jackal, and he re- really wasn't in the fight. The jackal was never really a fighter, mm-hmm. but he's still there. And uh, as the sovereign's dying, she her last words are like, "You've got to stop, Adrius. Like, please, if you know, I, my I'm dead. This is something I've accepted. But you need to stop, Adrius." Yeah. And so Darrow is very afraid at this. But they've like, completely the forgotten about Adrius. You know, basically they have. here. You know, they thought they've won at this point. Their like, objective yeah, was to kill the sovereign. They yeah. thought that oh, it's over, but. All of a sudden, they're like, "Wait, oh yeah, we got this else. looming threat." And this and is we where Cassius though readers. finds out, right? They put, sorry, before we move on to Adris, but this is where mm-hmm. they put her deeds in her hand, the the sovereign as she's dying, like Rhea with the hollow cubes. Oh yeah, so we find out because he's like, "You lied to me." Cassius is like, "You lied to me about everything about my family." That's and right, yeah, because the jackal they, killed his family. Yeah, and they they blamed it on Darrow. They right? said it yeah. was Darrow, and that that was a big factor in why you know, Cassius, Cassius like yeah. hating Darrow and really hardcore joining the Sovereign. Mm-hmm. So, and that was definitely the deciding factor for Cassius, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Alec, to joining Darrow. Yeah. Now, then, then it shifts over to Adrius. So like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's still. But this whole thing with the whole thing with the jackal though was kind of short. It was short. Um, I think it was. It was like it made sense. And the yeah. way that the way that Daryl like does the situation, like, I mean, what he he got off twelve bombs, right? Still, something like that. It was devastating what happened. But just just like to sum it up, yeah, it we we as readers know something's been going on because there's mm-hmm. the whole talks of like the nuclear cache, cache, however you say it, all the nuclear weapons that uh, we know that probably Adrius does have, and then there were reports too of all the the, the helium three had been acquiring and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like he's preparing for something big. And he reveals to Darrow, yeah, I've got nukes like 
everywhere on Luna. Mm-hmm. And unless you, unless you you kill yourself right now on live broadcast to the entire society, I'm going to detonate one every like 10 seconds or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you don't that. do it. And uh, this is, you know, Darrow is destroyed the docks of Ganymede. He's given over the Sons of Ares. But this is going to be genocide in the billions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Luna's heavily populated. And so he's got to do something quick. And this is the biggest threat I think Darrow's faced at this point. And you're right, it's very quick, but the Jackal has set this up, so it's yeah. like that. He could just press a button and then millions of people die. And it's, it's the Jackal in full form, mm-hmm. evil. Pretty um, quick reaction by Darrow, though. Yeah, to- uh, because yeah, Mustang's watching, like, what is Darrow going to do? Like, everyone's like, what is Darrow about to do for this? And... If you can take it away and explain how he well, it's just pretty like I said, pretty quick though. He's like, man, do I kill myself? Do I do? You know, Daryl really starts contemplating like how to solve this. He's running out of time as he's trying to figure it out. Lilith is detonating more bombs for the jackal, and he decides, you know, I'm not going to be a martyr. I'm going to live for more. You know, my friends are Mm -hmm. here, and he decides to jump jump on top of the jackal and rip his tongue out, rip out his weapon. You know, the weapon of the right. jackal has always been his tongue, not his, his you know, brute t- force yeah. or anything like that. So because um he rips it out. We go back to like the first book where he cuts his arm off thinking like, oh, you, you need to do this one thing if you want to like escape or he does it to himself. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you want to leave, like you would have to cut your arm off. And the jackal literally cuts his arm off. Right. Um, but here he realizes that like he needs no limbs. Like he doesn't like he could it's his mind and his brain and his cunningness and his wit and the way he speaks is how he gets his stuff t- done. Exactly. Right. And so Darrow's like, you know, I'm going to take out, take this one part of you that you need. And so he just rips his tongue out. And it was that simple all along with the Jackal. Now he, he can't speak. He can't give orders. He, he can't, can't, do anything he can't manipulate people. But uh, the bombs are still going off because Lilith has the remote mm-hmm. and she's up in the fleet amongst the fleet uh, with the Jackal ships above Luna. And so this is where Lysander comes in. And because this is a whole society-wide problem now, this is just not not just a problem for Darrow. This is a problem for all of the society, uh, golds, reds, everybody alike. So Lysander comes in, and Lysander's like, "Talk to my grandfather or my godfather, I think, mm-hmm. my godfather, the Ash Lord. He'll help you." Uh, he's like, you know, the Ash Lord. He still thinks about Rhea. It haunts him to this day. He doesn't want another Rhea to happen, especially not on Luna. So contact him. He will help. And so Darrow's like, "Okay." He contacts Victra. He contacts all the, the generals of the Armada mm-hmm. and the Ash Lord and says, look, we've got a humongous problem here. Uh, you've seen the blast. You know what's happening. We've got to find Lilith. We've got to destroy the ship. We've got to stop this. And so, you know, they, they hate Darrow. They want to kill Darrow, but they realize this is the problem right now. They've got to focus mm-hmm. on this. And so everybody helps out and destroys uh, the Jackal ship and stops the mass killings. Yeah. And then we get to the end of the book. Very, very end. Oh, well, kind of toward the end. Well, but not before not Mustang before. takes the head of the Sovereign and yeah. walks right into the Senate floor. The she, has the, yeah. she has the scepter. scepter. Yeah, the scepter. She had the two things that granted her power, the scepter and the yeah, head of Octavia right. Alun. Lysander at their side to kind of back their claim. And right. like, people mm-hmm. are either going to shoot us or not as we go, but the tide kind of starts to turn. And by the time they get to the Senate halls, everyone's already, you know, mm-hmm. backing them. They got hundreds of gold behind them. And, you know, mm. the people that oppose um, them are just getting taken down left and right. And they walk even by the golds that are joining them. Yep. And then they walk into the Senate hall only to find out they were having an election. <laughs> or, yeah, to see who the new leader would be. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as uh as soon as Virginia walks in, 
I mean, there's and no election yeah. anymore. They know what's happening. <laughs> and this is just like the old, the olden days. I think this is very much how uh, Octavia actually killed her own father to mm -hmm. seize power. So they realize, yep, Virginia's the sovereign now. This Not much how, we can do. That's how it is. Um, there was that. There was like one little like kind of mention or whatever. There was like um, they talked about like an older and a younger guard, and the younger guard was like about to attack. And the older guard stabs the younger guard. He doesn't, he doesn't stab him. He like holds it. Or back. holds it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like That's so violent. Like you know the the older people have like this like you know traditional mindset you know and the younger people have you know this gung ho like let's yeah. go. Um, so it's pretty interesting how like it's that, like they they've been the older generations seen a few sovereigns in their time like overturned they're like ah mm -hmm. yeah this is the way this is this well is that's kind of how their society is based though you know the the strong lead and mm -hmm. essentially they've won so by conquest yeah. you know they get to lead yeah. they, they don't want to that, kind of yeah. step back um so all that happens right um then we like fast forward a little bit right like the book fast forwards mm -hmm. um Really, um, only two tidbits left. One with the jackal yeah. and one with Daryl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so the, yeah, the we finished the story with the jackal. Uh, you know, he's got his tongue cut out. He's mortally wounded. They take him and he's got to hang for his crimes. Mm -hmm. So they go and in very traditional style, they're on Mars. And this goes another parallel. I think back they're on Luna. The first book. Are they on Luna? Yeah, they're, they're, that's they're right. On they're on Luna. They, and they this, reference this back is, to the first book. In the hanging, yeah, they're like the on Luna. Even the gravity, the is, gravity lesser is, is less than Mars. It's less than Mars. Mars, and already on Mars, you have to pull their feet or the snap mm -hmm. the neck. But on Luna, it's so much worse. So they know the jackal is going to suffer for mm -hmm. minutes on end yep. you know, before he dies, and no one's going to come up to pull his legs. They think because yeah. no one loves the jackal. But Virginia, even though she said whenever the jackal made that call to Darrow mm -hmm. and was boasting that no one loves you, you know, not even I do. Mm -hmm. She can't bear the thought of her twin suffering up yeah. there. She can't see him like that. So she does step up, almost as if she's in a trance. Yeah. Daryl helps. His legs. Oh, he does kind of have to guide her up there, I think. Mm, yeah, because she's, she's almost like trance-like. She's not even really understanding why she's doing this, because mm -hmm. Adrius has done such terrible things. But mm -hmm. there is that familial it's, bond. It's just the family, you know? Like, yep. that's it. And she's already lost so much of her family yep. at this point. And like, this is like the last bit even though he's done so much stuff she was really trying to get him on their side but she's like he's already hopeless like there's no point but she grants him that last mercy yeah um so it's kind of it's like really like bittersweet or really just bitter it's 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 definitely good for virginia's character bitter. but <laughs> it's just sad just, yeah just kind of I mean, 60 we, million we people died again i think from those yeah. 12 bombs it's like another yeah. we, we do get to see the jackal ramp. die though yeah um Jackal was loved, maybe. Apparently he was. But Apparently. full Darryl circle from the first jealous, book, yeah. you know, parallels mm -hmm. again. Bringing it yeah. back home. And then we get the, the epilogue or whatever. They're on Earth, hanging out on Earth for the first time. Daryl's never been on Earth. What what Earth represent? The Earth represent. They're on a beach hanging out, right? Um, He's with Holiday, right? Who's he with? He's with all his, his good gang. Uh, Mustang. They, no, they're not there yet. No, no, no. Just okay, Mustang so he starts off. They're it's just Mustang around. and Darrow. They're just like chilling out on the beach because uh -huh. uh, Darrow's never seen all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's time for some relaxation after yeah. this long war. And then all of a sudden, like a ship touches down, and then it's they like see Kavix and his wife, Kavix, uh, dancer. Uh, Darrow's mom comes out. Sophocles the fox, the right? Fox. You see Darren's brother Kieran, Severo, Victra, and then they see like this, this little little, little kid. Uh, what's going on here? Darrow wonders. Like a little holding boy holding his mom's hand. Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the ramp. Come to find, come to find that it is uh, Mustang's son, which and Mustang says it's 
Darrow's son. Yes. Not just Mustang's son. son. This is also Darrow's Darrow's son. son. So Mustang had a kid, Mm -hmm. had Darrow's kid this whole time, and she didn't want to tell Darrow about the child because we were talking about Mustang testing him, right? She wanted to see if he could be more than just a killer, be like a builder, be like a father, Mm -hmm. be the father that the kid needs, right? And if he knew about this kid this whole time, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have done the things he did. He wouldn't have done what he needed to do to win against the society. Um, but the cutest part is they named she named him Pax. Yep. Um, I think that's right where the book ends too. Like she's yeah, like, yep. I have a Math. son. His name is Pax. Or we ha- Pax. we have a son. Like his name is Pax. Oh. And I was and that's like, like the ending of the book. Yeah. But like um, Mustang had to have named him Pax. Yeah. Right. She did. Mm-hmm. So like, but like Daryl would have named his son Pax. <laughs> exactly right. And I think maybe part of her knew that because yeah. he named his ship Pax. He loved Pax. And this is something that. Even in the very beginning, Mustang and Darrow shared like their love for Pax mm-hmm. because Pax was Mustang's protector. She was mm-hmm. so attached to Pax. And then Darrow got to know Pax and loved Pax. He mourned Pax's death after only, know- only knowing him for maybe a month, right? Mm-hmm. But he made such an impact on Darrow. So it is cool that, like you mentioned, both mm-hmm. Mustang and Darrow would have named their kid yeah. Pax. It's kind of bizarre and, that and Pax is, it feels like Pax has been around almost for all three of those books, but really he died <laughs> off like halfway through the first one. First he book, did. Yeah. We didn't know him for very long. But he but made such an impact. That, yeah. Um, and it's kind of cute how uh, the Talamanises, they like take care of baby Pax. Mm-hmm. So like little, they have like a little bit of Pax. Yeah. You know, the spirit of Pax. With they consider him family. Yeah. Um, so there's a new Pax around. He's not as big as a Talamanis. Maybe he won't <laughs> eat as much of a tel- as a Talamanis, but he's, he's, he's still family. He is. And it's a very, very sweet ending. And like you said, now it all comes full circle. Yeah. So we find out all this extra stuff about Mustang and all those things that she wouldn't tell him. I was pretty content yeah. with that happening or like happy ending. I wasn't like, yeah. it felt justified, but it wasn't, you know, there had been enough loss going on in the book and enough good and bad that that just felt mm-hmm. like a pretty well balanced ending to me. Yeah. I, I mean, cause there's all the death and destruction in this book. Right. And then you end on a beach, like a pretty setting. And then you have like life like a child oh yeah it's it's almost like a metaphor too because now what's darrow and mustang gonna have to do they're gonna have to create they're gonna have to rebuild the society true and and, in that theme of creation there's a new life now they're gonna have to nurture Mm -hmm. much as they're going to have to nurture the people of the society Mm -hmm. so another great parallel another great metaphor pierce brown throws in to really round out this first three books of the Mm -hmm. series oh yeah another work of genius by pierce brown Mm -hmm. oh yes well, boyos, there we go. That's Morning Star, everybody. Like, we had a lot of, a lot of good, good discussions in that one. I mean, Definitely you can just listen that. to this podcast no, rather than listen to the 40 hour audio book. I think we threw all the yeah, really yeah. good details in there. I don't listen, know if we missed anything. Listen. Oh, I, okay. We missed one thing. I just realized it. Oh, let's, let's go ahead and get it all then. All right. Rogue's funeral. We didn't yes, talk about Rogue's yes. funeral. That <laughs> was actually very significant. True. Okay, and this actually does parallel the Jackal's funeral, too. Uh-huh. Because when Roke died, Darrow was very broken up about it. Mm-hmm. And all of his friends were against him. Mustang was against Roke. Victor wanted to kill Roke. You mm-hmm. know, and Victor, Roke, and Darrow were like three amigos back in the day, with Tactus, of course. Uh, but they had Roke's funeral. And Cassius shows up. Uh, Darrow actually invites him out, because, mm-hmm. you know, they were friends. And no one else really wants to come, but Mustang comes and she's by Darrow's side and Darrow realizes, you know, she didn't come for Rogue, but she mm-hmm. came for me. Yeah. And he starts crying kind of. Mm, he was sad. He was very moved by Rogue's death. But then bringing us back to like the Jackal's funeral, Darrow doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. 
He hates the Jackal. That was Nemesis. But much as Mustang was there for Darrow for Rogue's funeral, Darrow is there for Mustang for the Jackal's funeral. That's right. I think he even mentioned that's even mentioned in the book. Mm -hmm. You know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's something we kind of missed, but I remember that we talked about that, but that was in the back of my mind. Mm. But yeah, everybody, that's that's Morning Star for, for yeah. Um, how we feel about that, Boyos? Prime, pretty good, pretty good. Prime. Very prime. I think I think we did a pretty good job of explaining the book and had some yeah. really good things to say. Yeah, and, I agree. Well, I want to thank I want to thank Jake Jacob. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this time. It was an honor to have you. I uh, hope you hope you hope you liked. It. Oh yeah, the honor was all mine. It was a pleasure <laughs> talking about that book. Uh, like I said, we. We went deep into it. Not many times we really I can go yeah. that deep into the book with other people. And I think, Alec, especially for your first time listening to this book, you've retained just a tremendous about like you hung in there. Zach, you've hung in. I think we all hung in there yeah. pretty well and had some good things to say. So all around, mm-hmm. I think well done by everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, you know, we'll, maybe we'll meet up for Iron Gold, Dark Ages. And when that third, that sixth book comes out, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll all get together that too. We definitely Sounds have to. Sounds like a prime idea to me. Well, guys, I'll see you next time. Thank you. Sounds good.